Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9am on Cork's Red FM. Yesterday morning, I suppose the power of live radio, of course, the um, story involving Cleo was breaking this time yesterday, but it gets to this morning before uh, the newspapers obviously pick up on it. And one interesting development in the, um, you know, the location of Cleo Smith and the reunification of her with her with her parents and family, is that it gives hope, added hope, they say in the mirror today, uh, to Maddie McCann and her parents are full of joy and relief yesterday at the safe return of four-year-old Cleo Smith. So all of the red tops deal with this, like for instance at the Sun front, front page today, Miracle of Cleo gives us hope, according to the McCanns, their joy at the Oz girls' uh, dramatic uh, rescue after 18 days. Very interestingly, the Sun has kind of a questions and answers on their inside pages about the how, the why um, you know, the when and the where. Uh, and interestingly, this morning, as you we were coming on air this morning, the news was announced that a 36-year-old man has now been charged with the abduction of uh, Cleo. Uh, but was there a tip-off? I'm not 100% sure. I know that there was an Australian $1 million reward for information. So was it a tip-off? And has anybody at this point claimed the reward of one million and of course what many people now are looking towards is um, was uh, you know did has Cleo shown any signs of mistreatment or assault or psychological damage after being missing for 18 years was she well cared for by this uh, individual was there a sexually motivated abduction I hate saying that but of course that's something that's now being studied and looked at uh, quite carefully so that's incredibly good news for the family and they say it gives hope to the McCanns all those years Later, all those years later, following the adoption, adoption, abduction and disappearance um, of uh, Maddie McCann. Meanwhile, here at home, of course, we're still up in the 3,000s a day with regards to COVID cases. And unfortunately, they are still reporting, they're reporting deaths. But there's no plans yet to go back uh, to reintroducing further restrictions. But what Neffet are calling for from um, Tony Hoolan all the way down is that people should cut back on, on socialising. And if you're a clubber, that you shouldn't clearly be clubbing seven nights a week. Not that anybody can afford to do that, I suppose, but you never know. Uh, to limit your clubbing to once a week or once every 10 days if possible. But certainly cut back on socialising. I was reading yesterday, they were saying things like, if you're having people round to the house, cut back on the numbers that you, advi- that you invite. Things like that. Papers also this morning talk about the other consequences of the last 18 months. And one is St. Vincent de Paul, who are taking around a thousand calls a week, according to uh, their um, Southwest Regional President, Paddy O'Flynn, who tells The Echo today that families have been struggling now to cover essential utility bills. So it's not just about food or indeed clothing or sustenance. It's about paying bills now like gas, electricity and fuel uh, due to, among other things, soaring utility price charges. And they're being, you know, they, they, also there was an embargo for a long time during the pandemic. And that embargo meant that people couldn't be cut off during the pandemic. But that's been lifted now. So people who are struggling and can't keep, pay bills run the risk of being cut off again. And the mail this morning says the clock is ticking on family debt in general because thousands of people, well north of 110,000 families, took payment breaks over the last year. Now, some of them were for credit and loans that they took out, but the vast majority of them were for mortgages. So those that took those breaks, of course, um, could find themselves in trouble now because of the break on the mortgage or because of the break on the personal loan that's now going to have to be paid again. But one thing that people should consider if they do get into trouble is to look towards a personal insolvency arrangement, a PIA. Um, This is where you can literally um, have 
if it works out for you, debt written off. And that's that's one that makes uh, the echo today where a personal insolvency arrangement was approved by the High Court that allowed a woman to write off 4.2 million euro in debt that was owed to various financial institutions, including the ACC, the AIB and the Bank of Ireland. Um, and this story is the story of... Um, uh, uh, b- businesses that went went bust or into receivership, uh, several businesses, um, and, and of course now the Gaffney family and those involved in it fully cooperated with everything they needed to do with regards to the businesses going into receivership. In fact, part of the personal insolvency arrangement involved um, having to surrender two properties uh, and continue to pay uh, the mortgage, I believe, as well on the home. But at least. They managed to hold on to their home and have 4.2 million in debt written off to banks. So anybody that's struggling and really is, is just dwelling on this 24-7 and wondering how in the name of God am I going to get out of this hole? That could be a way. Uh, investigate that with an accountant. Investigate that uh, with a solicitor and see how you go. Uh, the GoFundMe, because I spoke to Lisa on air yesterday morning and she, of course, has been struggling for... Uh, well over a decade now um, with uh, anorexia and bulimia and she was very honest and open uh, regarding her, her life and you know how terrible it is for her with bulimia and anorexia on the air yesterday morning. Uh, the GoFundMe now has uh, reached 40,000 euro. I think that's an incredible um, achievement in, in the space of 24 hours. And well done to everybody involved. We need to keep driving that on. Um, you know, we really do. Yesterday, it, it had gone like something from, you know, 15,000 to 35,000. And then this morning, it upwards of, of 40. So it continues to rise and get closer uh, to the 60,000 that's needed. And if you want to help, you can just um, check it out and go fund me. You're searching on GoFundMe. Help us help our friend Lisa. And I may well come back to that a little later on this morning. There's a rally tonight at UCC called Take Back the Spike. Um, and it's a rally to do with uh, the recent rise in spiking, particularly needle spiking, on nights out since restrictions were lifted. I will come back to that a little later on this morning because I asked the Gardaí um, with their thoughts on that one and I got a response from them. So uh, more on that in a few minutes' time. But there will be um, a rally tonight at UCC um, and all are invited to attend. I will give more details about it, about time and, and location. Some interesting stuff from the courts uh, overnight. And one of them put a smile on the faces of everybody who was in there. There was a, this was before Judge Olin Kelleher. And there was a bench warrant and it was issued for a woman because she didn't appear in court. She was late for her court appearance. She did arrive late and she says to the judge that she never put her clock back the hour. The judge says to her, that was four days ago. You mean to say you didn't know the clocks had gone back in all that time in the last four days? She says, no, I, I didn't put it back. I'm not going to lie to you. I didn't put the clocks back. Uh, she didn't hear what the judge said at one stage. She said to Judge Keller, she said, sorry, love. Sorry, love. To the judge. A lot of smiley faces in the court. Unfortunately, she's been charged with engaging in threatening behaviour and being drunk in a source of danger at the Mercy Hospital. She's pleaded not guilty to that. And the case now has been adjourned and she's out on continuing bail. But as she was leaving the court, the 33-year-old said to Judge Keller, well, at least today, she says, at least I put a smile on your face anyway, which she did. And if anybody can solve the mystery of the missing bollards, um, the papers this morning talk about €3,000 worth of protective plastic bollards or wands you know the wands 
that protect the cycle lane from the car lane, they've all been taken on Washington Street. A bit of hijinks, I would say. But the protective wands are all gone, apparently. And City Council want them back. Uh, and to replace them, it would cost three grand. But who would want them anyway? I mean, there's so many of them. I don't have a number, but you're certainly talking about dozens of them. And as you heard there in the news at uh, nine o'clock, the Mirror carried the story of Lidl's knives. Now, these, of course, in the wrong hands, are lethal and deadly weapons. Because they include on the shelves of Lidl a five ninety nine pocket knife uh, with 21 practical functions that includes a saw-type blade. Now, that's fine for a DIY punter or somebody doing a bit of gardening or what have you. But in the wrong hands, they're lethal. Um, and while the detectives and Gardaí are saying, we're trying to do our best to combat knife crime, this does not help. And Lidl need to stop selling these knives. Uh, we've seen a violent a rise in violent crime involving knives recently. Um, flick knives are already banned in Ireland, but if you ha- can't get your hands on a flick knife, you can get your hands on a zombie knife, which has a saw-action blade. I mean, it, do they really belong on the shelves of centre aisles of supermarkets, I wonder? And another weapon makes this morning's mirror, and that is the gun that Alec Baldwin fired on set. Now... Uh, Somebody's come out now saying a lawyer has come out now, has said that um, somebody deliberately put a live round into the gun used by Alec Baldwin. He then accidentally shot dead a cinematographer and injured another. And the lawyer was talking on ABC's Good Morning America. I won't go into too much detail about it, claiming um, that um, it was possible that someone purposely placed real bullets into the dummy bullet box. But what strikes me as bizarre is that a live bullet looks exactly the same as a dummy. Why? Why don't they have different colours? They clearly can't have a different shape, I understand that. But why at least would they not have a different colour? If it was intentional, that wouldn't make any difference. But it certainly would prevent accidentally putting a live bullet into a dummy round a dummy, because you'd know the colour of one and the colour of the other, unless clearly you were colourblind. Colleen Rooney makes the papers today because she signed a one million euro deal to make a film about the Wagatha Christie battle with Rebecca Vardy. It's going to be a feature-length documentary film, apparently, and she's going to just put it out there and allow the viewers to make up their own minds. So that's the story that keeps on giving. And here's a lotto that keeps on giving as well, the Irish lotto. How many times? It's the tenth time now last night, that the uh, lotto was unwon. So it continues to roll on at 19 million and unclaimed. And as you heard just there with Lana, the latest John Lewis ad has now come out. It was released this morning. Makes the papers today. It's the story of Nathan on his way home from school. He spots a flashing light in the distance, chases it to the woods beside his home, and there he meets a 14-year-old space traveller, Sky, from her ship from another galaxy. I think it might have crashed. Uh, Not 100% sure. Because I kind of gave up on it halfway through. Somebody asked me what this morning, what do you think of the John Lewis Christmas ad? And before I realised, the word was out of my mouth. I said... Stupid. Stupid. Anyway, here's 30 seconds of it. Well, more like 35. We'll always be together. Visual, isn't it? I mean, you, you can't really see what's going on. We'll always be together. 
Anyway, that's uh, that's just the soundtrack to it. You'll have to go and check it out yourself later on this morning. But it certainly is no hare and the bear. And it definitely, in my opinion, is not the man on the moon. It's not even the same league as the man on the moon. So it's very visual. This is just a short. That was just a short audio um, capture of it, if you like. But uh, let me know what you think. I think the man on the moon was the best one I ever saw. That was incredible. That would bring a tear to the eye of a stone. If that were possible. Anyway, lines open one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. You can text zero eight six eight one zero four one zero six. Back we go uh, and pick up on some stories from yesterday, but also some new business as well. Amanda, good morning. Hi, good morning. We're having great crack actually with uh, relationships over the past couple of days, and inviting yeah. women to tell us all about the perfect husband. I must come up with a prize for this, incidentally. But tell me about Marco Carroll. My God, four heart attacks and a triple bypass. Yeah, um, well he had a heart attack on the 23rd of May and he had another three in the hospital while he was waiting for the bypass. Um, so he had a, he was supposed to have a quadruple bypass. They found six blockages in his heart, so he was very lucky. And, you know, no warnings about the heart attacks. I mean, was he due the triple bypass and no, then had heart no. attacks waiting for it or something, No. Uh, like, he had a heart attack on the 23rd of May and he was taken into hospital and they told us it was a heart attack and that he'd have to have a triple gotcha. bypass. Gotcha, okay, I yeah. gotcha. So and he was walking around with this time bomb and didn't even know yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they told us he was very lucky. He had six blockages in his heart. So if he hadn't gone in the night we rang the ambulance, they said he could have come out the next morning and just dropped dead. And did he, like, was he having pains in his no, chest or like, his arm or we was he were, having breathing trouble, anything like that? Uh, nothing leading up to it um, the night it happened we came home from work laughing and joking and he was tired so he went up to bed uh, around 12 o'clock and about 2 o'clock he came downstairs and he said uh, I don't feel well he said my my arms feel like they're burning and I said well that's not good we better ring a doctor or something and he said oh look hang on we'll see if I'm okay and then about 5 minutes later he said uh, the pain has gone into my chest he said we better ring an ambulance so I rang an ambulance and they came out and they came out very fast. They were out in 15 minutes and um, they took him away in the ambulance and then they told me afterwards there was a heart attack and that he'd have to have an angiogram and they found six blockages and that he'd have to have... It was supposed to be a quadruple bypass but then they were able to fix it with a triple bypass. But he had the one at home but inside an hospital another three. You must have thought yeah. he was a... You must have thought he was a goner. Yeah, yeah, it was scary. Um, yeah, I, I was... Because like, of COVID, you couldn't go visit him. So, like, I waved him off in the ambulance and I was thinking, I don't know if he's going to come home. That's the thing. 42 yeah. years old and you wonder whether your husband's coming back to you, I know, I know. Yeah. Let yeah, it be a exactly. warning to people if they have any kind of uh, warning signs like that, whether it's a pain in the chest, whether it's a pain down the arm, whether it's trouble yeah. breathing or whatever, your dizziness. I wouldn't hang yeah, around exactly. in that it regard. Could've, it could have been a very different outcome. Yeah, so he was lucky. So he's still, from his hospital bed, he was still sending home surprises um, my sister stayed with me while he was in the hospital and we came home one night and uh, he knew I'd been working late and I was busy so there was a pizza delivery at the door <laughs> he didn't send you from pizza from his hospital bed did he? yeah yeah <laughs> he did yeah <laughs> So I didn't have to cook when I came home. <laughs> oh, that's so lovely, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was very nice, very nice touch, yeah. Yeah, hang on, hang on a second, because I want to listen to this, because I haven't heard it yet, but this is Des himself, right, telling us why um, he really is a one in a million man. Have you heard this yet? No, no, no. Let's have a listen to this. Neil, first thing I do in the morning, leave out the puppy. Because I'm looking after our uh, nine year uh, guide dog, right? I'm training. And I leave him out, out the back. 
uh, he does busy busy and um, bring him back in again clean up the fire and uh, make the coffee for the wife right uh, feed the dog um, do the hot chocolate for the small one for school make her lunch right what else um, when the board is finished then with the puppy I clean her out and he's he's out the back no yeah he's eating eating something but um after that then uh clean the floors after that uh get the hoover on clean up the place after that then when the small one's gone to school let's go upstairs and make the beds and after that then i'm sit down and have a, a nice cup of tea for myself and a bit of toast okay do you think that's enough well, i do that every morning every single morning even sundays <laughs> take care take so. care now amanda i know your husband mark is good but what do you make of des <laughs> i mean could, like, could mark beat that um, yeah, he could. Ah, oh, come on. I mean, this guy is going like all day. First thing in the morning, morning. walking, taking the dog out. And then I think he talks something about cleaning up the fire, making coffee for the yeah. wife, hot chocolate for the kids, lunch, hoovering, doing the chores. Is Mark, is Mark that good? Uh, he is. He is good. He used to get up at <laughs> seven in the morning and do freshly squeezed orange juice. Ah, you're working hard now to beat Des. And bread rolls. No, wow. for for his daughter, for, for Anna, he used to get up and do freshly squeezed orange juice for breakfast every morning. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he sounds like a one in a million. Listen, lovely chatting with you. Let me let me pick up with Des, though. Appreciate you taking the call. Thanks, Brilliant. Amanda. Thank Cheers. you very much. All right, Thanks. take care, Bye. take care. Des! <laughs> How are you keeping I'm alright. It's a wonder you got a bit of time actually to chat. What have you done so far today? I did. I did everything that I said on the, the recording. <laughs> so far, I, but I have to clean the windows. Oh, is that an extra job today? Is it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And what does her what does herself do? I don't even know who herself is. Oh, she's got on. She's got on uh, for a walk. Fix it. <laughs> Does she, just, I mean? just, does she just watch you doing all of these work, all of this work? Well, she just says, though, when, when she comes back after uh, taking the small one to school, she says, though, and she goes on her phone. Her phone? Oh, the phone. I get that phone. Des, be careful now. I don't want to get you into trouble here. Like <laughs> She goes on her phone and then she looks up this and looks up that and um, I'll be... Tipping away, you know, and said, yeah, 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 yeah. And I said, anything else you want me to do? Um, <laughs> the, the, probably the sheets need to be cleaned and it's on taken off. And I said, right, I'll do that too. And are you good at all that. that, like the washing machine, the tumble dryer and stuff? Oh, there's no tumble dryer to fix it. There's plenty of wind out the back. <laughs> I'd say you you're, I, mean? I think you're serving some sort of a, uh, a prison sentence at home, are you? I'm chocolate, don't I am? <laughs> <laughs> and then I thought I thought married life was easy, but it's fucking hard, you know. And do you ever go out? I mean, do you work outside the home or anything? I I do, yeah. I have to cut the grass, don't I? No, I mean outside of the home, as in, have you another day job? No, 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 no. <laughs> Just cut the grass and take the dog for a walk, and 
Oh, sorry, wash the Jeep and, you know, <laughs> bits and, and pulver it and polish it. And, oh, but hang on. So Who does sad. the cooking, though? Who actually makes the meals? Well, she herself does, but I prefer, I prefer to do it, you know? <laughs> Why? <laughs> I just, you know, we do, um, well, not for herself, no, kind of. Uh, I do um, a lovely, um, what you call it, chicken chow mein. And uh, especially on the Saturday, if I'm having a beer, you know? Yeah, okay, but that's just the Saturday. You wouldn't be having a chicken chow mein every day. <laughs> oh, God, no. No, no, no. But see, I get, the, I get, I, I, I don't drink lager, see? So I get the old uh, Bulmers there and I put a slug into it to give it flavour. Oh, you add the Bulmers to the chicken chow mein? Oh, yeah, give it flavour. <laughs> you have to. All right, so, but she's the cook then. She's the chef. She's the meal preparer. You're probably the cleaner upper, are you? I, I'm the cleaner upper, yeah. Yeah. And um, Fred, then, the dishwasher, he, he cleans it. Fred. He's a, he's a good chap. <laughs> What's the dog's yeah. name? Uh, Ivor. Ivor's uh, well looked after. Ivor's had his walk so this morning, has he? Oh, he had his walk, yeah. I have to do a bit of training now later with him. <laughs> and, uh, Oh, he's he's well looked at. He's taking sleep now at the moment. But you must get she must get up at some stage and you know and put the phone aside and do something, move around. Surely. Oh, she does. Yeah, yeah. She goes from the table to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, you're in some serious trouble. <laughs> Jesus, don't tell no, no, Neil. I wouldn't want to be you, I can tell you that, leaving all these cats yeah. out of the bag. I'm sure it's all right. Perfect. There's a list there along. My my hand is long. There are people who want to fix and sort me out. But uh, they know where it is. But I'm still alive. All that. right. Well, when she comes back, if she wants to give me a call and set the record straight, I'd love to chat with her, all right? <laughs> oh, not a bother. Jesus, no problem. Because she loves us. She loves her food, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? All right. that, won't be a prob- that won't be a problem. All right, all right. Get her to give me a bell. I'd love to talk to her. I have a few questions I want to put to her. Why she's not pulling her weight? <laughs> right. Well, I don't know. I don't know what time she'll be back. She's probably having a cup of coffee down the town. You know, she's probably I mean? gone with. She's you know one of the ladies who lunch, is she? Oh my god! Oh yeah, 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 yeah. She's probably I, down the town having another. Second I'm going to keep my mouth shut now because I don't want to be dragged into any of this. But get her to give me a call when she comes back. All right? Uh, you're too far away. Or don't cock. I'm out here on my phone. <laughs> I'll keep some distance right. between them. Between the two of you then. All right. I'll talk right. to you later. Right. Cheers. Take care. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. There's your hard man. I hope there's another chapter to that story. We'll have to wait and see. The things anyway that wreck it for women regarding the men in their lives. I was telling you about this earlier on the week, um, and it's a top 10. He likes football and watching sports more than me. He's a selfish lover. He's obsessed with computer games and videos. He's lazy. He never helps around the house. He's always down the pub with his mates. I don't trust him. Another one here. I have started desiring other men. He's put on weight and he's let himself go. I suppose he's put on weight. He's let himself go. I've started desiring other men. It's probably part of the same one. We never share anything uh, and watch TV alone. He's always skint. And they're the top ten. I'm quite sure there are others that can be added to this. Like Lisa says, my husband's a pest. I love him with all my heart, but if I ask him to do something, he does it within a month. Um, he's a Liverpool fan, so it's been a hard week with him, as I'm a United fan. He works full-time, so do I, but he moans 
that he's the only person that's tired. He likes to let us know he worked the pandemic. <laughs> I worked the pandemic, you know. <laughs> he is a treasure. I'm only joking. He's amazing, really. He buys me Donatello baguette deals. I'm totally spoiled. I have no idea what a Donatello baguette deal is. I suppose it comes with chips or something. Anyway, back to the phone lines. Anna, good morning. Good morning. This is actually your dad you're talking about. Yeah, well, I can rate my husband too as well. He's he's as good as my dad. So, But you certainly look up to and admire, idolise your dad, James Collins. Oh, unbelievably, yeah. unbelievably. Yeah. He's... He's top dad and top husband as well to yeah, my mum as well. Yeah. Like. And uh, what they they met and married in seventy five, was it? They did, yeah. And and tell me tell me a little bit about him with regards to um your mum, his wife. Oh, he's do you know what now? He has a heart of gold. Like she loves her garden out the front, she'd be potting around with her garden, but he'd still always make a fuss and he'd go in, he'd get her flowers or a little treat. Like his new thing now is he's retired because of health reasons. Yeah. And he um, would go down to the local shop and buy her telly bingo ticket, but he'd buy one for himself as well and he'd sit down and do it with her. Do they ever win anything? Actually, since my dad started doing it with my mom, my dad wins every time. Does he win much though, I wonder? Because I never do. All I ever get the odd time I get them. The line or five euros or a tenner or something. But it's been just the, you know, the activity of them doing it together, I suppose. But he's the one that's winning and she's not though. She's scratching away winning nothing. No. (laughs) I think the next time that they have two scratch cards, they should swap. Oh, definitely. But sure, he probably would would win anyway because he's very positive. He just has that great positive about him, like. And is he? Does he do this to your ma'am? Oh, he does. Only wolf with matter, and uh, (laughs) he pinch her bum and everything. I'd be saying, "Get away, yes." Yes, definitely. Are seventy-year-olds supposed to be doing that? Why not? I suppose. Uh, Why not? But you know what? Now I, I always say one good thing. I always say is that at least we know our parents are still in love, That's which true. is a good thing. That's the yeah. sign of it, actually. If he's wolf whistling yeah. and pinching her yeah. bum, he's still in love with her. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Oh my God! Why is he so happy? Is he just got a happy gene? He's just a very positive person for everything. Like, if you would ask any of our neighbours, my mum and dad's neighbours, or even my neighbours up here, um, they, if you'd just mention my dad's name, they'd say, oh my God, he's so good. He came over the other day and he held the ladder for my, for, say, my husband out to clean the gutters, or he took a bag of coal, brought a bag of coal in for me, or he helped the, the new fella next door hang a gate and... Like, you name it, he'd help anyone. It's anyone the neighbours are saying all this about James Cummins. Oh, oh they would. I'd give you, I'd, I'd give you just like uh, Angela, one of the neighbours, and Shane, one of the neighbours, Deirdre, they'd all say they'd, he's actually a great neighbour and a great man as well. Like, Where does yeah. he live? Where is he living? Up in Dublin Hill. And what's your mum's name? Eileen. And she with five kids and seven grandchildren? I say he's great to the yeah. grandkids, is he? Oh, my kids, like, my dad has been working out my back. We we had two wooden sheds and we got rid of the wooden sheds and he's been slowly, since August, doing it to his pace, obviously because of his, his health. But, like, he'd come up and he'd say, um, like, last week, now he came up and he says, I caught a cake there the other day, Isabel. I think I might have found something in it. And he hands her the barn back ring. And she was weak for herself. But, like, he'd never forget my son then. He came up with, like, say, books or a colouring page or a T-shirt or something small. But be, my mom would always have stuff around the house for the kids. No matter what our children want, my mom and dad are my kids, my sister's kids, my brother's kids. The hand in heart, they're always there for us. Oh my God, it's incredible. The man that wakes up happy 
and laughs yeah. away all day long and just spends his time helping people and making their lives better. Isn't it incredible? If you ask him, what, what, what is your occupation? Now, he was a builder, a plasterer by trade. Yeah. But he'll tell you, I'm a doctor, doctor, a taxi driver. I would build houses there. I feed you. I, the, bank, the bank is always there. Like, he's often towed my car for me and charged my batteries. And now, he breeds pigeons as well. So that's his hobby. And any of the pigeon fanciers, there's, there's people that have been sick in the last couple of years. And he's... Um, done auctions to sell off the, the, the men's birds so that the wives would have the money from them All right. while they're going through their chemo and while they're going through their whatever there is happening but that's just my dad he would just do whatever you want him to do for you he's an amazing man from Dublin Hill like the, the great James Cullen nothing too small nothing too big you just say dad and he'd say yeah do you think he's listening now? how much yeah how much is right do you think he's listening now well, he, if he's out for his walk with the dog, now he'd be listening. Um, but I'd say my sister has him phoned because she lives in Canada. That's the girl that put him through first. She wore it out first. Yeah. And then I, I totally agreed with her. But he'd probably listen if he's out for uh, his walk. Or he'd be mortified. He'd be in the kitchen. I'd say he'd be secretly oh, he'd delighted. Love, oh, no, he'd love all this. <laughs> he'd love he loves the attention. <laughs> he, even when my friend was here now having a cup of coffee a couple of weeks ago and he was potting in low to the back and I'd scream out the back door do you want a cup of tea yeah no, go on sure he'd come in then he'd have a chat with the ladies and he's loving all that then too like so fair play to him uh, but sure look he's wired hand in get, him to, give, get him to give me a call sometime oh you wouldn't get him off the phone that's alright I'm quite sure we'll find something to talk about I, I called him the Lord Mayor I called him the Lord Mayor because um, his phone always goes and you, no matter what it is it, I just have to go there two minutes someone wants me to do something and he, I'd be back in half an hour Oh my God, what a fantastic man. Love to chat with him yeah. sometime soon. The great James Cummins. Well done, Anna. No, great story. Thanks. Great man. Thanks. You should be so Bye. proud. Take Bye. care of yourself. All the best. Back after Thank the break. You. Talk to Neil Printerville now. 1851 Red FM. You bet your text 086-8104-106. And if you want to do what Des did, that was a great call with Des. They're all great calls, but he sent a voice note, a WhatsApp voice note to 086-8104-106. You can do that as well. Not a bother on you. Megan! Hi, Neil. How are you? Declan's a Kerry man, is he? He is, yeah. And you're a Cork woman and you live down west. Yeah. Where, did, where did you meet? We met in Bantry, West Cork. What was he doing over in Bantry? What part of Kerry is he from? He's from Clorgan. Okay, so how, how do you yeah. end up in Bantry? Do you get lost or what? <laughs> Something like that. No, he was up. He was working with Bam. He was doing up the new pier in Bantry. And you didn't know at the time that you were going to marry somebody that was just unbelievably untidy, did you? No, I did that. No. Look, I can't say anything too bad about him. I thought he sounded like every man. Well, you did. Well, you did. You said. He leaves his clothes on the floor to be washed. He leaves the plates near the sink and rings me at all hours for a spin home. So from the top 10 of things that wreck women's heads regarding their men, he's got at least two on the list. He's lazy and never helps around the house. And he's always down the pub with his mates. Would I be right? You'd be right there, yeah. Yeah. What are you going to do about it? I can't say anything too bad about him, to be fair. He's he's very good other than that. Other than that? Yeah, other than that. Other than the call you at all hours for a spin home from the pub and not knowing what the sink is for. Sure, look. Most men are like that, are they not? (laughs) Pardon me, excuse yourself. Generalizations like that, I won't accept them. What are his upsides? What are his upsides then? 
I know he's very good. Like the, the relationship he has with all my family and everything, you know, he's he's very good. He looks after my grandmother. He does. He's probably one of the best fellas out there. Except that everywhere he goes, he leaves a mess after him. You're willing to put up with that? He's not like that all the time. Just sometimes. <laughs> ah, you're backing out now. You're reversing out of this conversation. <laughs> I, I always think that if somebody is untidy like that, right, I'd blame their mothers. But I'd be right in that regard because his mother should have picked up on that when he was at home younger. You know? Actually, you look, his, his mother is very good. Like, she's seven <laughs> children, so I suppose... She was always running around. She after. was always picking up after the yeah. seven of them. All right, okay. Yeah. All right, so Declan O'Shea, you wouldn't swap him for the world in spite of everything else. No, definitely not. Oh definitely not. All right, take care of yourself. Cheers. Thanks for taking the call. Lots of other calls on this. So jump in and out over the next hour or two. No, not a bother. Let me talk to Margot, though. Margot, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? Now, where do I start with this? Um, who's 53 yeah. years married? So they're coming up on 53 years, my mum and dad. That would be John um, and Eileen. Yes, Newlin. Yeah, okay. yeah. So now, where do they live? He, they live in Carrigline. And okay. uh, first of all, he's a Tipperary man married to a Cork woman. So I think that in itself says an awful lot. That's and another story as to where they... I'm always curious as to where people meet. Where would they have met? Oh, he's military. He was based in Collins' barracks. Was he? And uh, yeah, so he met her mum from the city. And actually... You know, it's amazing they've lasted this long because on the day they got married, she forgot to send the wedding card to pick him up. And himself and his family had to walk from Collins's Barracks down to the South Parish <laughs> <laughs> to get to the church on time. That was a long walk. But he stuck it out. <laughs> what stuck what it do out. you mean she forgot to send the wedding card? She goes on her own and he goes on her own and they meet at the church, isn't it? No, yeah, but sure, you know, they've got that part of the arrangement. So he's at home cooling his heels wondering if he's going to get married or not? Oh, he got married, definitely. And by God, he has just been, you know, I was listening to all the stories and they're phenomenal. But I think the greatest thing that they've done is that they've showed us, for me anyway, what to expect in a relationship. And what you get from, what a good husband is. Yeah. Yeah, because young children pick up on vibes like that, don't they? Yeah, I remember being in secondary school and having a discussion around um, arguments at home and different dynamics. And I remember myself and another boy sat there. And at the end of the class, we asked the teacher, I think there's something wrong with our parents. They've never fought. (laughs) 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 You know, which is (laughs) phenomenal. How is he he to Eileen with this breakfast in bed business? What's that about? Yeah, every morning. Just every morning. Like when we were four stroppy teenagers, he's still before he leaves in the morning, he drops up his cup of tea. And now, like, they're they're retired now and elderly. And still every morning, he's first up, has a shave, makes breakfast, lays out all her medications um, and ensures that she takes everything she needs to take when she needs to take it. That's the mili- uh, that's the military background for sure it, it is, is. Yeah. you know <laughs> Bristol fashion up yeah. in the morning shaved clean yeah. you know no looking a million bucks jobs to do yeah. routine military yeah. fashion Yeah yeah but you know the calmest coolest loveliest man I think um like you know matter where he goes and like that mum had been unwell for a long time Yeah and he was so good you know he never it was like no no we're not we're not giving into this we're going to keep going keep going keep going he refuses to believe that you know that they can't do anything 
so has always pushed and every day they get up every day they go walking and on bad weather they have different shopping centres they walk around every day and they have a cup of tea and it's gas because they know him in all the different O'Briens and different takeaways it's like knows their order just waves they sit down and it's all sorted and it's just the way he takes care like I've never seen my dad not let my mum walk in the door in front of him or not open the door for her or you know and this kind of thing always just so respectful and so wonderful he's and yet they're fun they're great fun they love their holidays they love their weekend aways and everything and I, I think it's that whole sort of thing it's just the way he looks at her and the way he talks about her and how he centres everything around her 53 years later to still to be like that is just I think it's phenomenal I just admire them so much and it's taught me when I was looking for a life partner I know exactly what I wanted it was very hard, hard to find like someone though as good though but surely did you? No, yeah. I got myself one. I did a lot of hard work. Do 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 them, do, do women? Do you think? Do girls look for that? I'm not saying a father figure as such, although I know that term is used. But does the partner have to match up to their dad? Um, I that's, remember that's, years that's ago. A, that's a tall order. <laughs> yeah, I remember that was said to me years ago. But I'm a very stubborn person, like them. So I kept going until I found one. But you know, I think. He, it's what harm is there to expect that from someone? Why not expect somebody that respects you every single day? Because oh no, no it's what. just that you're lucky you know. if you do because what you describe mm-hmm. isn't necessarily the way it is in every family. I mean, there's a no, lot of no. you know, know clearly a lot of divorce, and an awful lot yeah. of the divorce has to do with you know marital breakup that involves shouting mm-hmm. or roaring or violence and stuff like that. So yeah. you know, yeah. there could be I people listening that. to you now who are envious of that. I have never heard my dad raise his voice. That's what I mean. Yeah, never ever heard my dad raise his voice. He doesn't do anger, which is phenomenal. He does, you know, always very understanding and it's discussion and it's never been that sort of thing. So, yeah, and I think, you know, and I think that's very important. That gives you a very strong basis. I mean, when you look at your parents and you see that, you kind of strive to have that too. And it's not everybody can do it. My God. I see every day people don't achieve that, but uh, I know I'm lucky. And I think it's from the two of them, the way they, even to this day, they're still so united. And everyone that knows them, one doesn't go anywhere without the other. (laughs) Yeah, that's lovely. That's lovely. That's lovely. Even how, even how their grandchildren and their, how they're known, it's, it's not nanny or granda, it's nanny granda. Okay. Okay. Listen, there's a story, there's a story that your dad's going to love, right? The Hollybow is out. Does your dad read the Hollybow? He does, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, he was up in Collins Barracks for much of his life in the army, you're telling me, right? Yeah, and then into Spike Island. Right. He grew up on Spike Island. Okay, so, yeah. actually there's another story on the Hollybow regarding Spike Island as well. He needs to get the Hollybow as soon as he can because there's a lovely double-page article on uh, Collins's Barracks, which 100 years ago okay. was known as, he'll know all of this, you probably know it, 100 years yeah. ago it was called Victoria Barracks, right? Yes. And this article talks about um, next year will be the 100th anniversary of um, the handover from the British to the Irish of uh, Victoria Barracks and we renamed it of course uh, Collins Barracks it's a yes. fabulous article and he will love it and there's some great photographs in it as well um, oh, you know where, where the um, where, where the Irish army the IRA went into the barracks took it from the British the flag was brought down and all of this the ceremony involved British marched out and we marched in I think he'll love it you know he really will yeah yeah it sounds fabulous yes I'm, I'm, I'm not I'll be surprised if he hasn't got it already 
He might have had it read already, but if he if he doesn't, just make sure. Just tell me he just doesn't want to meet. He do, and also, there's another one then where the civic guard arrived. Then of course we replaced uh, British law and order with our own civic guards, and that's another fabulous yeah. article. So it's well worth a read from if he was in the army all his life as he was. Sounds yeah, like a great absolutely. guy. Um, um, did they do anything special for the fiftieth anniversary? Uh, it was in the middle of lockdown. So, um, oh no, it wasn't actually. It wasn't in the middle of lockdown. I think it was, there was things going on. There was, uh, my dad's brother was waiting a lung transplant. Right, and okay, yeah. He, it just wasn't the right time to have a party. And then we went into, you know, lockdown and that. Thankfully, he got his transplant and he's doing very well. So we will celebrate. We're hoping to get to 55 and then we're going to have a, or I said, they're not party people, but, uh, when they when if they have to organise it, they don't like it. Yeah, but if they're there, they enjoy it. Yeah, so surprise them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Good for you. Well, oh, yeah. well done. Well done. Thanks, Margot, so Thanks, much. Take care. No Love bother. when people Thank come on the air and share their life stories. It's terrific. Text 0868 if you want to get involved. Back after the break. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM. Can I just take this uh, 60 seconds just to give a gentle reminder in the event that somebody may be able to help? I was chatting yesterday on air with Jonathan from the charity that's based in Cork. It's the Shoebox Appeal, a charity that was based and formed in Cork. It's national now, but they put together um, uh, boxes, shoe boxes full of presents and gifts for those less fortunate all over the world. It's hugely successful and very successful in Cork, and they do 10,000 shoe boxes full of gifts um, at Christmas time. Uh, out of Cork alone. That's just Cork alone. But this year, as Jonathan was telling me on the air yesterday morning, they're having an issue finding a, a, a warehouse in Cork to hold all the donated presents and to pack them up. And they're asking um, if it would be possible if anybody might have a facility where they could store the shoeboxes for maybe two or three weeks. We're talking about 10,000. So you're talking about a couple of thousand square feet, you know, maybe two, three thousand square feet. If it's available on a short term, and if there's actual reliability insurance needed, they will have all of that. So if anybody has, there's got to be lockups, maybe maybe two or three thousand foot size square feet uh, that are available for a few weeks. Please, would you ever have a think about it? Because they are desperately in need of that warehouse ASAP or some kind of storage facility or a lockout, a lockup. And if we could have some success on that, it would be a terrific thing to be able to do. All right. So if anybody can help. Text 0868 please, or email neil at redfm.ie, okay? So all that and lots more besides after 10. Hey, it's Dave. Join me weekdays from 4 for Dave Max Drive, where I'll help get you home or give you a little lift at home. Big hits, loads of fun features, and traffic info. What more could you need? Join me weekdays from 4. Dave Max Drive. Get it off your chest. Text the Neil Brinderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. I love this. It's a funny one. Edwin says, I have to nominate myself even when I do wrong. My wife says, you're bloody unreal, boy. <laughs> says Edwin the unreal. <laughs> I hope that you continue to live in that little world of yours. <laughs> happy out in the knowledge that you're unreal lots of responses thank you with regards to my conversation with Chrissy yesterday I'm happy to say we managed to sort out her tooth um, and everything's well in that regard a lot of people actually offering uh, to pay for it and that's what happened in the end which is unfortunate really because many people were saying a medical card will only cover extractions and one filling a year um, but uh, two interesting ones in that one uh, on that, in that regard I took a nasty fall in 2019 and broke my front tooth my front teeth actually I made a call to Colin Tobin in Gronabra, her dental, the morning after, and I had it fixed that afternoon. I then went on to get all my teeth fixed and bonded to match the new one. 
for a fraction of the price I had received from other dentists. And he also did a payment plan that suited my budget. I can't recommend this place enough. My heart goes out to that lady. I hope she gets the help she needs. Says Shirley, bigging up Colin Tobin at Gronobar Her Dental. Uh, and one final one on this. The dental system is all wrong. My father, who will be 85 this month, fell about six weeks ago and broke his top dentures. The following week, he had COVID. But all was good after two weeks. But... I've rang every dentist in the area and not one will take him to fix his dentures because he has a medical card. It's so unfair that a man his age has been reduced to baby food and I have nowhere to go to get help for him. It's a total disgrace. Well, a few spring to mind here for me uh, with regards to dentists that I've seen people texting about Liam Lynch uh, in Wellington. I assume that's not uh, down under. I imagine that might be Wellington Road. Another one here I mentioned was Colin Tobin uh, in Grona Braher uh, and James Wall in Barrack Street takes medical cards. So there's three that you might want to check out. Might make all the difference. Uh, on my conversation with Lisa yesterday, oh and best of luck to Anne Murphy at the Echo. Uh, she's been shortlisted for this year's Headline Mental Health uh, Media Awards. Excellent journalism and richly deserved. It's uh, her story that we picked up on yesterday with Lisa, who's suffering from anorexia and bulimia. I know you were talking about inpatient treatment for eating disorders, Neil. Inpatient treatment isn't always 60,000. Can you please say this over the air, as this may be very off-putting to anyone thinking of going into this treatment um, who doesn't have private health insurance. Um, It can be approximately 37,500 for 12 weeks program. I know the doctor visits are extra and there may be extra costs incurred but not to the value of 60,000. You can also claim back this cost through your med one. You can claim back 20% of it anyway. People listening may think they'll never, this will never happen to them or anyone they know, but believe me, anorexia or bulimia can get into your beautiful son, your beautiful daughter, your mother or your wife. So thank you for all those. The criticism that Lottie Ryan received online when she said that she was sending her five-month-old to crash. Here's some texts on that. On the crash topic subject, Neil, it's unbelievably unfair for people to judge a parent for putting their child into crash. We put our daughter in at six months and she is the most confident and bubbly four-year-old. Her communication skills developed so well from a very early age because of it. I think it's the best thing for them, to be honest. Tell your listeners not to listen to those that judge. Another one here. Well, if Lottie Ryan kept her business off social media, she wouldn't be getting abused. People on social media who share invite this upon themselves. Uh, as long as it's a well-established creche, you need to go back to work to do what you feel right is what is right for you. So people should ignore people that are nasty and their nasty comments and best of luck to her. One or two more. I've seen younger people sent in by self-employed mums. As long as it's a good crash, I wouldn't touch some in Dublin, uh, even they offered, even if they offered free care. But at the end of the day, it's Lottie Ryan's decision. Not everyone has grandparents, you know, willing to do the childcare. And Pat says, why did Lottie tell everyone her business in the first place? And talking about uh, telling people's business, I've been told off that I don't know the rules of the road. Tell Mr. Prendival to learn the rules of the road regarding bus lanes. Not all of the bus lanes are exclusively for buses. Tell him to read the rules of the road. Well, perhaps I will do that. That's in reference to yesterday morning's conversation where bus drivers are saying the roads are clogged because people use the bus lanes and they don't follow the Panaban. Then a couple of texts, and I'll come back to more of these later, regarding the hospitality research that I shared with you yesterday. I I did work in hospitality and by and large, it's a thankless job. 
Male workers experience every bit of abuse and sexual harassment as female staff, says Anthony. And one final one, Gary says, referencing your conversation regarding hotels, restaurants and bars. I worked in hospitality uh, for over 25 years. It's the most disgusting industry to work in. Low pay, abuse from the public, looked down upon, bullying, unsocial hours. Contract catering is the absolute worst. It's horrendous. The pandemic, in a way, was a blessing for me. It got me out of hospitality. I'm a courier driver now, and I absolutely love it. I wouldn't put a dog into hospitality. It is the bottom of the barrel and soul-destroying. Uh, can't come on air, but hope you get to read this out. Thank you, Gary. Uh, and one final one now. Morning, Neil. Great piece on the air with regards to hospitality. It's fantastic to see this kind of research being done. But let me ask you, what can be done for the abuse staff members deal with in call centres. It's a short text, but I would invite the texter to come back to me. And I won't give out your details or workplace or anything like that, but come back to me and give me more evidence and give me more information on what you're talking about with regards to abuse of staff members working in call centres. You give it to me and I'll share it with the public. The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at Neil Red FM. Hold on to Joe for a second. I'll come back to him. All of this started on Tuesday with my conversation with the journalist uh, Siobhan O'Connor and she was very open and honest about the fact that more people should talk about having babies and rearing children is tough work. It's tough work and also the relationship department. And then it led on to the top 10. Um, I suppose you'd call it relationship makers and relationship breakers, the thing that wrecked the heads of women and men. And is it then you guys weren't having any of that. You were looking at the more positive regarding the man or indeed the woman in your life. But at the moment, it would appear to be the man in your life. So the top 10 records for women uh, were that he liked watching football too much and sport more than me. Uh, he wasn't a great lover. He was a selfish lover. He was obsessed with computer and video games. He was lazy, never helps around the house. He's always down the pub with his mates. I don't trust him. I've, des- I've started to desire other men. He's put weight on and let himself go. We never share anything um, or any time together. And he's always broke and he's always skint. They were the top 10. I wonder if any of those actually fit into uh, Joe's criteria. Joe from uh, Joe's Hair Salon in Glasheen. Um, Are you there? I am, Neil, and I'm just out of finishing Pascal and hair. Now, Pat, take a seat over here, love. <laughs> Neil, I'm a very busy man, just like yourself, and I, very important. You are terribly, terribly now, important now, when now, it comes I'm to women's hair. Neil, I'll have to leave you for a few minutes. Just, just, just tell her to read. Just tell her read a magazine Neil. there for a while, Joe. Well, she you can, yeah. She can just look at me too, just uh, as good. Okay. And you, you know your partner, Darren. Does does he? My husband, d- Neil. Yeah. Your, your husband. Pardon me. Does he make any of that top ten relationship records? Did you hear them there? He's always watching he football. Does, he He's 10 and, and more, Neil. <laughs> he does he, indeed. And do you know why now, Neil? You no, know, if he makes the 10, it means he's always down the pub. Oh, no. Oh, sorry. I wasn't listening. With, with oh, you were no, I'm talking about the relationship wreckers. Well, whatever the highest is, I've been the best husband he'd make. What's that? Uh, okay, well, that's more like it. And, and why well, is that? He's amazing husband, Neil. Well, well, first of all, I'd never go to work without having my lunch, my apple, my banana, my rice cakes, everything set up. Make sure. Is that, I have two what, is that of what you have for lunch every day? An apple, yeah. a banana, and a rice cake. Boring. No, they're my little snacks, and then I have a, I'd have a chicken wrap. Oh, now you're and talking. I have nothing at all because those mad women below are so self-absorbed they won't let me have anything. <laughs> and but that's another story. We will talk about that another day. But me, even like I give up drink six years ago. He's been amazing because Darren would have a drink out now. He would take up a glass of wine with dinner with before I'd have 
two bottles of wine at home. Would but you? Whoever going out yeah. now to restaurant, he'd always bring ahead to make sure they have non-alcoholic wine. If we're going to wait, and he'd always make sure they'd have non-alcoholic wine or whatever, not to make me feel left out, you know. Can you actually drink that stuff? I tried that once, it's all. I don't know, it's too sugary, anything, even the beers, I don't. I think if you're not drinking, just stick to the water. They, don't they There's say no that, sugar, actually? No if you calorie. feel that you had a problem, alcohol-free beer is not a good idea. They say that anyway. No, yeah. no, because you're still thinking, you know what I mean? I think if, if you're staying off alcohol and you can, a glass of water is just as good and just as nice and you're not putting in any calories, you're not taking any sugar. But that's going from the And, then you, and you don't end up making a fool of yourself, you know, with your two bottles of wine If I go to bed you. for rest during the day now and down this walk, you come in and snuggle me in and make sure I'm relaxed. I, the blind. I hear that he tucks you in at night, does he? Oh yeah, every night and then during the day and make sure I have a cup of tea when I wake up. Um, all I need is going, I'm on medication, he constantly checked that I've taken my medication, he puts it out in the morning and make sure I have it. He does things that way and beyond us. And then listen to me then, of course, when I come home, oh, do you know what the one said today? And I can't believe it. And then he calmed uh, me down then. And yeah, just, but I think... I was on to Neil's day. Oh, my God, he sounded fabulous. You know what I mean? Just kind of crack. I'd, lo- I'd, love, to have, I'd love to have a hairdresser coming home to me because they have great stories. I mean... Oh, Neil, yeah. So oh, you will get a treasure like, trove of stories. I don't want to talk for half an hour. <laughs> I literally couldn't handle it. Like, sometimes Dharma Dianne broke his office or whatever happened to walk and said, oh my God, will you stop talking? Because I just need to switch off. I'd I need prefer to walk, walk I need from Blackheen to Douglas, to be honest with you. I know what you're saying. And what do you ever you do know, for you're, you're constantly, see, you your day at one time. I'm with someone for half an hour, sometimes an hour, sometimes two, and they'll talk, 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 which is fine, because as far as they're concerned, there's only one in the shop. But then you're going on to the next person, the next person, the next person. And it's lovely, don't, don't get me wrong, I love talking to them all, and they're beautiful. I would advise you to say that, Joe, if you're running a hair salon. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and they're well used to me now, anyway. Because you wouldn't know. have many people inside that if you're saying, hair salons are great if it wasn't for the customers, but of course you're not saying that. But no, what, not at all. What but do you do? Think I, we, should, we should get a little bit of extra money for doing um, therapy. You know? Therapy and counselling. Yeah, oh yeah. my God, Joe, I feel so much better now. Might only be abusing Why them, do you, well, <laughs> them, you know? <laughs> Why do you think people yeah. share with their hairdresser or barber? I think, I think because, first of all, we listen, and second, with my situation, they know it won't go any further, and they're in that relaxed mode, and they're there, and I'm saying how things are moving, their head, give them a little massage, and then it all comes out. <laughs> the head massage opens all yeah. the door. So but, I know some of the women are pregnant before they know. <laughs> You know something, is it a case that they just want to share or are they actually, do you give advice? Because that can be a dangerous thing, giving advice. No, I'd never give advice and I'd never say, oh, blah, 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 he's an off track or she's this or whatever. I'd never say anything, but I'd listen. But I think, I think with women, now this isn't being like, um, so open women love male hairdressers. I think they can they can relate to us as if you know we're no danger. We're not going to try and come on to them or anything like yeah. that. So we can have a good, decent chat, very honest, and maybe get it from a man's point of view. Yeah. The, um, the advice, but I know. Yeah, no, it's kind of interesting you mention that because I know. I don't know whether you know that I know that you were at a wedding a few weekends ago, and the unten- the attention you got from women was apparently unreal. Because 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 being gay, being gay, of course, they probably feel. Um, you know, I, I don't. How do they feel about about a gay man? 
safer, safer or what? I'm sitting to give up hairdressing and, and, and hiring myself out for weddings to keep the, the ladies occupied while the husbands can drink. Do they feel you're not the a husband, threat or something? The husbands don't mind because actually she's recently your man over there, the two boys, she's no harm there, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, so, what happened this time was particularly, I felt for like two horses at a mark, oh my God, you look beautiful, oh you're okay, oh my God, show me your teeth, oh you smell gorgeous. And literally, Neil, come up under your ear and, and, and smelling it. <laughs> oh, show me. Oh, is my fella dressed like that? Oh, he never looks like me. So this goes on and on and on. It's fine for five minutes, right? But literally, at the whole wedding, wasn't even at our table, came over and talked all the way through. <laughs> if you want to go to a wedding, then. The family show me, I can't actually tell you things that happened at it and, and the things that we were told that we'd be expected to make a reply. And I'd be there, oh my God, I can't believe they said that to me. What like uh, they, dro- they didn't drop the hand or, they didn't drop the hand or anything, did they? No, jeez, no. What's why I'm dropping the hand on us? Um, <laughs> they be telling us personal things, Neil. You should. The next wedding you should go to, you should go as two straight men. <laughs> do you know what I'm going to do, Neil? I, I, do you know what I'm doing? My daughter Susawa said to me years ago, "Fix it, you're not gay at all." They'd be all over me. You know what I mean? And I'd be doing all these shapes. I'd be like Michael Jackson on the floor and the whole lot, and they'd be rubbing into my leg. My poor daughter then would be dying for someone to rub their leg, and they wouldn't get a bitch. I know. Yeah. I'm you are You have all the luck. You have all the luck. I can be open away till next Christmas. <laughs> no, Eden's won't do me any good. <laughs> Ain't nothing gonna happen. <laughs> I told her to like the woman one day put her put her hand up my my shorts and she said, um, "Oh, I'll change you." <laughs> like if I did that, oh my god, I'd I'd be in court. <laughs> I'll change her, and I just didn't go up to the bottom. I'm just having up to my bottom. That's enough. Top of my bottom. That's what. Thank God I had it waxed. I mean, that's another thought. <laughs> You're going to give me an heart attack. <laughs> How am I going to go back downstairs now after talking to you? Oh, I wouldn't want to be you. Listen, I think you're doing Bernice's hair tomorrow. She's a regular of this programme, so look after her. Is, he the we- oh, is there a wedding we, we, tomorrow? We, I had her in two weeks ago and we did the colour. <laughs> I did a big job on her. And I, I can honestly say, Neil, and no joke, I took 20 years off her. Literally, so anybody wants to forget about the Botox, just come to Joseph's. That's because you're the maestro. She getting married tomorrow, I think, is she? She's getting married tomorrow, just takes the day of saying we're looking forward because we're going to do her makeup and the whole lot. Oh my so, God. Um, what a great and day. And she she's, she's, <laughs> she's getting nervous now. But you should hear the comments in the salon, though, hilarious. Gee, she lasted that long without marrying him. I didn't just say the bloody just. <laughs> <laughs> I was even seen it to Darren this morning, but the, the gas comments are hilarious, you know. <laughs> I'll let you go down and meet... We might do one day, sit down and think about writing a book. (laughs) X-rated, I'd say, would you think? (laughs) Oh, God, then I'd... What would have to be? You'd probably call it Confessions confessions of a Hairdresser. (laughs) Confessions of a Hairdresser, yeah. I'm flashy note. (laughs) I'll send many people out to you. I'll send many people out to you because you're there to please um, and to look after them. Yeah, I miss talking to you. I haven't had a chat with you for a while. Well, listen, don't leave it too long next time, all right? No, you've been very, very busy, Neil. You've been so up the walls lately. I've been listening to us. How do you do it? Well, I mean... There's some man. Do you know something? Each to their own, because I certainly couldn't do your job. I just couldn't. No, no, no. I mean, talk about multitasking. You probably have three or four different hairs going at the one time. Oh, yeah, there's four below now, probably. So when you ever get off the bloody phone and come back and do my hair? Yeah, what would happen if you leave it too long? If somebody's got colour in, for instance, you burn the head off them, I oh, suppose, Jesus, would you? Jesus, no, I'd never do that. That's <laughs> true when you rang there, was washing off. Hang on a second there, just before you go. Joan. Hi. Yeah. Did you want to have a quick word with Joe? I have to send him back to the sinks, so go ahead. 
Hi, Joe. Hello, who's this? That's Joan. I, oh, hi, Joan. Mostly known as J-Lo. <laughs> J-Lo, how are you, love? Take on the task of the most yeah. horrible head hair in your life. <laughs> of lack yours, of hair, right? Lack of luster, lack of everything. I'm an old age pensioner, so I like to look different. <laughs> I will absolutely love the challenge, but we had to do before and after. <laughs> oh, yes. What is it? Oh, without a doubt. Absolutely. Without a doubt. Because, uh, if you're looking but for luster, so I'm your man. Before, viral, okay? Because the yeah, would get absolutely. the size of their life. So will you come out to me? I will, of course. I will, of course. Okay, we'll forget about Botox. What I'll do to you now, <laughs> I don't have a wand, but I have a very good scissors. <laughs> <laughs> okay, will you do your magic tricks then on Joan? We'll do before and after, and we'll have some fun. Well, not some fun, but we'll have absolutely, a good, we'll have a good story. Neil, absolutely. Okay, guys, look after yourselves. Joan, I'll put you in touch with Joe. Joe, go back to the sinks, back after the break. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 1850-104-106. Red FM. Uh, some great texts coming in there regarding Joe, one person here says, thank God I had it waxed. That's what Joe said, thank God I had it waxed. I'm on the floor with laughter. This This fella should have his own segment on Neil's show, have him on more regularly. Another one here, oh my God, that hairdresser has me in stitches. Well, he's that kind of guy. Oh, listen, if you're in town on Saturday uh, and you're anywhere near Kennedy Key, you'll see an amazing thing at half past eight in the morning. You will see a guy there by the name of Peter Falvey, who's raising money for the Laura Lynn Foundation and for Skull Ingusa up in Cashel. Now, the reason I'm mentioning it this because he'll be on Kennedy Key at half past eight Saturday morning to start his journey. What journey? Well, he's going from Mizzen to Mallon on a 49cc scooter dressed as Buzz Lightyear. I've no idea how long that would take. It'll certainly take him a couple of days. I don't know. He's not going to drive through the night, I'm sure. But wow, that would be fun. I hope he's um, got something under the Buzz Lightyear costume. Thermals. Because it's going to be cold on the scooter wearing just that. But that's starting on Saturday morning, half past eight, down around Kennedy Key on a 49cc scooter dressed as Buzz Lightyear. Fair play to you. To infinity! And beyond. Okay, you can also email Neil at uh, redfm.ie. This all started with relationships on on Tuesday and it's really taken off. And I'm happy to say, in fairness to Emer, she's been working away on this because we were keen to get some prizes for the best calls or best emails. You can also email Neil at redfm.ie. And so far, we have dinner for two with the Met at the Metropole Hotel. Thanks to Sandra Murphy and the Trigon Hotel Group for getting on board on this. So dinner for two with the Met. We have a smart casual outfit from Andrew and the gang at Simply Suits. They've got a new casual range in stock. Check it out this side of Christmas. You'll look a million bucks. So we've got a smart casual outfit from Simply Suits. We also have dinner for two at the New Yorker Bar and Restaurant at the Cork International Hotel. Again, thanks to the Trigon Group. They're always there when we ask. And we have vouchers for dinner for two at Curraheen Park Greyhound Stadium. And that's so far. I'm expecting and hoping we'll be able to add to that list of prizes over the next uh, day or two. So that's what we have. So keep those calls, texts and comments coming and emails as well. Now, there's been an accident between Mallow and Kildari on the Mallow-Kildari Road and the road's been closed off apparently. Hope there's nobody hurt. So just approach it with caution or else if the road is closed off, don't approach it at all. Uh, try and get to your destination by another route for now anyway. So back to the phone lines we go. Laura, good morning. Good morning. I think this is really taken off <laughs> big time. And I and I was trying to find criticism of husbands and all I'm getting is compliments. But anyway, tell me about John. Well, John, I think I was listening to some of them and I was saying, I wish I had those problems. I have completely different problems. Mine is probably around sport. Things that drive me crazy with him. 
So you're it, you're referring to the top ten list of relationship yeah. records. Okay, yeah. 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 So John is um, absolutely darts mad, eats, breathes, sleeps darts, and our whole life evolved around darts. And um, I suppose that's kind of the worst thing he has about him. Where did you meet him? Did you meet him in a pub at a dart match or something? I actually met him out at a pub, but I know interest in darts, um, he's going to kill me. But before this, I wouldn't have even said darts is a real sport. (laughs) 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 So I'm from a rugby background, so I would have been like, oh my God, I was was an excuse to go drinking. Um, Is it an excuse to go drinking playing darts? (laughs) Yeah, and even like before, like we would have been like darts. But anyway... He said to me when I first met him, um, I'm, I play a small bit of darts. Uh, that was a big, big, big lie. So so he, we suppose we spent a lot of it when we were even picking out our wedding date. We had to make sure that there was no dart tournament on. And then half our guests didn't show up because a dart tournament was moved on to the date. And I was half afraid he wasn't going to show up himself. Um, well, you should have just made sure that there was a dartboard at the wedding. Yeah, so exactly. So we spend most of our time, I suppose, traveling around the country to random halls for dart tournaments. My daughter took her first steps at a dart tournament. Um, so yeah, your honeymoon was in Prague, so you could My play in the Prague in dart Prague. open. Yeah, we went. We were kind of wondering where could we go, and then. We were just spent an extra week in Prague so he could go to the Prague Open because he was chasing points for the world site. So, but it all paid off because in 2019, I suppose he became the world master of darts. So that was a big deal. Are you joking yeah. me? He plays yeah. a bit of darts, my arse. He's what? He's the he's a world he's master of darts. He's the video world master. Yeah. So he would he won a trophy. It's the longest running dart trophy. He's the first Irishman to win it, and. Um, he, I suppose, Phil Taylor, Van Ger- Michael Van Gerwen, all their names are on this trophy. So when he used to tell me I've been something big, I suppose he proved his point. So now I have to be quiet. Good darts, they say, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And, and so is there, like, is there prize money involved? There is prize money, yeah, yeah. Now, in the amateur side of the game, it's not huge. But, um, yeah, there would be, he would be, you know, he'd play challenge during the PDC and things. And there is money, yeah, and he would go over... And he plays a bit of um, online darts, which was kind of bucky linked. So you know, he, like he, he's not, he hasn't turned professional, though, has he? No, because the way it works is um, not a lot of people know, but the way it works is that you go to tour school and you like there's a certain amount of tour cards. It works kind of like the golf tour. It's the same idea. So you have to get a tour card to get on. So this year he missed out on the tour card, but he'll be going back in January to try and win the tour card. And that would be the dream then would be to play the professional darts. And I suppose he's taken amateur darts as high as he can go. He needs to, yeah. He needs to either sink or swim now, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of eats, sleeps, darts. Even I can hear him now. He's downstairs. I can hear the darts hitting the board. So So how often does he practice every day? Every day he's off. He practices for hours. Hours. Yeah. So Without a break? uh, Hours? um, Well, he'd break now to kind of like interact with the kids you know, feed them, go to school, you'll pick up, look after the dog, take the dog for a walk. But he doesn't watch television or anything, so the major- he's highly competitive, so the majority of his day is throwing darts. But, uh, so, like, how many dart boards does he go through? We would go through three in a kind of a six, like, so we'd get maybe three, four weeks out of a dart board, and he all? turns the dart board, so we turn it. So we get maybe three, four weeks out of a dart board, and we'd have a new one, yeah. How many dartboards has he bought and, di- and disposed of? Hundreds, I'd say. We have bought lots, but thankfully now he has a manager. So 
they kind of supply the darts for Mission Darts and he has his own dart designs. So he's all that in the works and he sells, he's his own merchandise with shirts and things. So ah, he's flying. He's, he's, he's nearly as good as professional. He just needs to make the next move and go 100%. He just needs to make the next move, yeah. So like... Yeah, so... But even and do, and does he have... No, I mean, I don't mean to be nosy, but does he play... No. Has he got a favourite set of... Th- it's three darts, isn't it? Have a favourite set of darts, or how does that work? Well, John has... Like, John has a terrible... Like, most people find a set of darts and they stick to it, yeah. whereas John tends to chop and change from darts. He's always trying to perfect it, make it better. He's trying to... Like, so he actually had a set design there a year ago, and he's been playing with that. But he's since tweaked this, so he's new prototypes in his hand now, which is why he throws so much. So right now he's working with a new set of prototypes. They're prototypes. They're from Mission Dart, and they're custom made. It's to what so. He wants. I mean, it's got to be one of the most precise technical. I know you. Do you? You, you probably. I mean, you said. Do you believe now it's not a sport? You you believe it is, like, don't you? I mean, it is. I do believe it is. I am very impressed. Like, my sons are in the youth and they're phasing out all the drinking and all that. And I believe when they achieve that, it will be like, you know, I think the drink aspect, the drink culture is still an issue in kind of older darts, senior darts. Those stuff the we used to see on television, those. you know, going back in the... Yeah. On the TV years ago. They were big, huge, like, were they... Worker men's clubs or something, they're all often and Yeah, they would have been. Um, so even where John won the World Master, that was the Circus Tavern, that was a big working man's club. Um, yeah, so what's wrong uh, with having a few pints watching a good darts co- tournament, though? Sure, that's all right. No, there's it? nothing, but I think it's what stops like darts kind of progressing and being recognised as a sport. Like, even in Ireland, darts receive no funding, it's not recognised as a sport. You um, know, so so it's, not, it's, not, it's not in the Olympics, is it? No, it can't be in the Olympics because of the drink aspect. Yeah, so but, right but, now John can drink and play darts, but the youths can't. So does he get better after a few pints? You know, some snooker players way back in the day, one fellow, yeah, Werbenuk, I think. Would, yeah, John would believe he would get better with a few pints. Yeah. <laughs> I think a lot of the older dark players believe that. And there's um, there's like a nice, like, you know, where he feels like that's the right amount. <laughs> he, has yeah, too, he has too many, it's then he'll miss the board. He's on a crazy bo- level. He'll yeah. miss the board, like. Yeah. It's a precision on a crazy level, but he will practice sober from one end of the week to the next, which is what drives me crazy. Yeah. Well, you know, you never know. Yeah. I mean, there could be big money to be made yet. You won't well, be. You, know, you won't be laughing yeah. then. I will. Yeah. When he won the World Masters, we weren't laughing. So was there a few but, bob uh, in that? There was a few bob. Yeah. Oh, yeah. you see. They tell me he's known as John the Joker. Is he? John the Joker. Yeah. So a few years ago, the boys used to always say to him, you know, in the Irish dark circuit, they used to give out that he took it so seriously because he was highly competitive. They used to always say, why are you so serious? And then it kind of morphed from that then, you know, the saying, why so serious? He had that in the back of his shirt and then he became known as the Joker. So if, if he were to put an apple on your head now, right? <laughs> so, you know, seriously, and step back 10 paces or however far back they, they step. Yeah. Would he hit your forehead or would he hit the apple? I would hope he'd hit the apple. No, so <laughs> would, you, I mean, would you trust him that much to allow him to try it? Like, um, <laughs> I don't know what. <laughs> Probably he's actually pretty precise, but uh, I don't know what I risk. <laughs> no, I think there's that little element of doubt that's still there. A little more yeah, practice. Well, <laughs> right, I've okay. seen weirder things. <laughs> I've, so yeah, over the years I've seen big misses. <laughs> All right, I can well imagine that. Listen, what a great chat! Thanks so much, Laura. No Regards matter. to you and to John, and uh, keep us up to date on his career, will you? It's great to have. I mean, a, of course, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. It's great to have a world master darts champion on Lee side. Well done to him on that. Thank you so much.
Thank you. You're very welcome. Bye. Right, thanks. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Talk to Neil Printerville now. 1851-04106. Red FM. Thank you. I'll come back to you in a couple of seconds, Amy. I just hope you can hold on a while. Just regarding Lottie Ryan and uh, sending her child, I think at maybe five months, perhaps six months, I'm not quite sure, to crash. And um, some people, some people were very critical and they can be quite abusive about it. Why can't people mind their own business? This young woman is doing what's right for her and her family. Why cause upset? I know. I've been there. Uh, that's the world of social media, though. If you share, you will attract all sorts of people with all sorts of opinions. Unfortunately, not always the best in the world. Um, actually, Richie says, perhaps the problem is not the hardships associated with parenthood that have existed since the dawn of time. Perhaps the problem is the self-absorbed sense of narcissism, instant gratification and weak moral fibre that pervades modern society. I believe we now have a generation of snowflake parents who are raised to believe that they should never have to suffer hardships or overcome any difficulties at all. I have for them a newsflash. Life is hard. Toughen up and get on with it. Strength of character is forged by conquering adversity, says Richie. And then um, regarding child rearing being tough. Uh, this is a ma'am clearly at home with daughter. My daughter never stops talking. I was so glad to have my husband come home from work. I got a cup of tea and closed the sitting room door. It didn't last 20 minutes, though, of her following him from room to room, chatting and chatting before he handed her a screen. Every now and then I'd head off for the day and he's so happy to see me and I'm appreciated for 10 minutes. Um, I think it's a lovely thing. They have a daughter following you around or following your husband around, following your dad around, chatting and chatting and chatting and chatting. Long may that last. It wears you out, but you look back on it and wonder... But do you ever have those days back again? Now, also, I just mentioned early on, earlier on, regarding a rally that's happening at uh, UCC this evening. It's called Take Back the Spike. Um, and it will take place at 6 p.m. this evening at the Amphitheatre in UCC. And good luck to them all. UCC Students Union has written as well to an open letter to pubs and nightclubs in the city addressing the recent rise in reports of spiking. And the, the, uh, the, the protest, I suppose, or the get-together tonight is at six o'clock as a result of that in the amphitheater in UCC to warn students and also calling all businesses to take a stand against growing reports of spiking across Ireland. But just with that in mind, the Guardi have said that they haven't received any reports of needle spiking in Cork. But they are urging anyone who's been a victim of such incidents to come forward. Now, Guardian Limerick are investigating a report of needle spiking made by a UCC student at the weekend, and I spoke with that student on the air on Monday. So please be aware if you're out and about socialising. The most important thing is to keep yourself safe and your friends, and keep an eye on each other. Um, and if there's any changes in a buddy or a friend, uh, you know, be aware of them and uh, take appropriate action. Uh, please don't give out my details, but I mistakenly got spiked instead of my daughter. We attended a family charity. One of those strictly come dancing events. Myself, my husband, and my adult daughter and son. Uh, as I went to the bathroom, I asked my daughter to hold my glass of wine. A guy came up to her chatting. Uh, when he left, when he saw that I'd left. So you went to the loo, guy came up chatting to your daughter. He obviously intended to spike her drink, but he spiked mine instead because she was holding it. As my husband drove us home, I became so unwell that I thought the car was reversing at speed. By the time we reached home, my son and husband had to lift me from the car. I had lost all sense of movement and balance. I couldn't even stand up. I had one glass of wine, so we couldn't understand it. I got violently sick and the doctor had to come to my home. He said my drink was spiked. It took me three days to come round. 
a 53-year-old spiked. Luckily, it wasn't my daughter, as there would have been no way to defend herself in such an incapacitated state. We laugh at it now, but it's an experience I won't forget. Yeah, and I'd say his face is probably a face that your daughter will never forget either. What an evil, evil individual. And to do it, um, you know, without her noticing it. How do you get the tablet into the drink without her noticing it? She might have put it down for a second or two. Uh, but clearly, she'll live with the memory of his face anyway. Um, and, of course, my real worry about this is it probably wasn't the first time he did it. And after the case regarding you, it probably wasn't the last time either. So it's very, very worrying. And has been for many years, incidentally. Uh, text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 1850104106. So back to the phone lines we go. Um, and I'll get some more calls and texts in this side of 11. Amy, good morning. Morning, Neil. How are you? It's actually turned now from partners and husbands to dads. It's amazing. I couldn't resist. I'm sorry. Okay, go ahead. I posted what have you got? this on Facebook and I tagged my sisters. And we all agreed, you know, I, I can't let the sky have to ring in. And... Even a staff member in Super Value, the local Super Value, can't say where I'll be shot. Um, she even commented and said, oh, you have to ring in about him. So he's just known everything he does, mainly for my mother. Charlie, isn't you know, it? Yeah. He, you know, from the time he gets up, Neil, he makes her breakfast. Even the night before, he'd ask her, what does she want? Does she want porridge? Does she want to fry? Does she want berries on her porridge? I'm not messing. This, this is just, it, it's ridiculous. He, you know, he makes the dinner every day. He lights the fire. He'll bring her in her dinner on a tray with the noose, with the echo, and the fire is set. It, it's just what is she? And what she? What she doing with all her time when all this is happening around nothing. her? Nothing. <laughs> nothing. She could ring you and she'd say, "Oh, I done a bit of clean today," and you're just holding in the laughing. No, my dad done it all. <laughs> Even this morning, now I called in earlier, and she said to me, "I got up and he was on his knees and." And to God, no, I don't know what she said. He was cleaning the oven or cleaning the stove. And she says, I thought he was going to propose to me again. She said, I saw him on his knees. But he was scrubbing again. He never stopped. She's just on a pedestal. He's like the Duracell bunny. He just needs to oh keep my- doing things. He does. No, he loves it. Don't get me wrong. He loves it. And we all have a slag about it. You know, there's nothing he would And she do secretly anybody. does too, doesn't she? Oh she my God, she, she gets away with murder. She really does. I mean, even he's retired now, but, but they're both 70. Um, they'd actually passed for 60, lucky them. Um, <laughs> when he was when he was working and, you know, he'd be driving around and he was on his lunch break passing, he'd come back and bring in the wash and unfold them and peel potatoes <laughs> for that afternoon. It's unbelievable. You know, it goes on and on and He's on. He's probably serving think. penance for another life, you know. Reinc- <laughs> He's been reincarnated because he was bold before. <laughs> <laughs> maybe so. Maybe so. But yes, oh, he's yeah. just, yeah, I think it's everyone's So then how, dream, how, do you, how do you or any of your, I don't know, your sisters or your brother, I, I how do you ever find a man that in your life that's going to measure up to him? Very hard. <laughs> Are you sure of it? Very, no, my brother, I will say, I think my brother is trotting after him. You know, he'd be the same. He'd be great at cooking, cleaning. He'd be great as well. So I suppose this monkey see, monkey do. But in saying that, when he lived at home, when he was younger, my mother's done everything for him. And then when he met his wife, it was, you know, he took over. Just like my and, and is your dad handy at the cooking, like? Oh, fantastic. He's so handy now that I did the roast dinner the other day and he... He dropped my daughter home that night and he came out and um, I was after saying to him, I've done a beautiful roast beef because I can never get it right. 
and my son said to him, it wouldn't match yours though. Go away. You know, even the kids love us cooking, you know, he's, he's a great cook, he really is. Or, you know, if we were going on a night out now and I'd be living away from home and I'd stay, he'd say, what do you want for breakfast in the morning? Say, go hotel, what do you want for breakfast in the morning? I'll bring it up to you. You could come in at three in the morning and there'd be, you could hear the kettle going at eight, he's doing your breakfast. <laughs> yeah. He's unreal. Yeah. And the grandkids must love him, do they? Oh, they do. They love me very good with all the kids as well, you know. Charlie. Where does he live? Can't say. No? All right. Okay. <laughs> They'd be murdered, would they? And I was just going to, I was just going to, I was just going to come earlier. up for a late brunch, you know? Maybe have a, oh, a, a full Irish lovely. at one o'clock, Charlie. <laughs> that would be lovely. He'd be delighted to have it served up for a change. Full Irish at one o'clock with up. scrambled eggs, if you don't mind. <laughs> that would be beautiful. He'd love that. Yeah. That would be great. All right, well done. I don't know whether he'd be mortified or delighted, but fair play to you. You got one in a million there for sure. Yeah, Look after yourself. Yeah. Thanks, Gronya. Thank Take care you. of yourself. Cheers. Thanks. Gronya, good morning. <laughs> Fantastic. Gronya, can you hear me? I can. I Yesterday can. morning, I was chatting with Chrissy regarding uh, medical cards and dentists. And she was telling me, and an awful lot of people saying that dentists aren't taking medical cards. What's going on? Well, I rang, I suppose, about 15 yesterday and 10 this morning, and they've all pulled from the medical card scheme. They're 15 yesterday, and t- so you have called 25 different dental surgeries, and they've told you the same thing? Yeah, they've pulled from the service. They take you under PRSI or in private. What do you mean PRSI? That gets you a clean, is it? I don't, they didn't say, I'm looking for a filling. They didn't say, no, what, um, the PRSI will cover. And did, did any of the 25 of them say why they have pulled from the medical card scheme? They didn't. They were all kind of sharp and short about it. You know, they didn't. My own dentist, she walked out of Douglas and she's gone to a different clinic. So I just asked for the clinic's number and they couldn't give me that information. So you called all of the other ones and said, what did you need doing? I need a filling. And that's all it is, a filling? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and before you could just get a filling, go along with your medical card and it would be done or if you had paid PRSI, they'd take your PRSI number and you'd get it done on that. Absolutely. And there was never a problem. I don't know that COVID um, times or what, or I don't know. No, but COVID would have nothing to do with pulling out of the medical card scheme. No, probably not. That's that's bizarre, isn't it? I mean, is it's, this? It's, yeah, it is. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder if there's any press on dent. I mean, doctors aren't pulling out of the medical card scheme, are they? They're just not taking new 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 patients. I think. Well, the GPs are under pressure. They're 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 lacking GPs in Ireland. So whether they start taking stop, stop pulling out as well, I don't. Know. And a medical card would entitle you to anything that you need doing, is it? No, it's no. entitled to one checkup, two fillings, and as, ma- as many extractions as you need per year. Ah, well, that is a fair amount. Is there anything else that you can't? I mean, that's pretty much all you need for dental hygiene, isn't it? Fillings, clean, it and, and extractions. Yeah, yeah, that's all. Yeah, but you don't want to get them extracted. You want to get them filled and last as long. That's as right. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Okay, so I need to have a look at that. Yours and your definitely ten yesterday and fifteen today, and all of them said that they're no longer taking medical card. Every single one of them. I, I've listed them myself because I, I'd forget who I went through. So I have, I have a list of them. Is there any chance you could email me the list if it's not too much I trouble? I could, I could. I have no laptop there at the moment, so I'd have to put it into my phone, but I can do it. I, I just take a photograph of it and WhatsApp it to me, you know? I know. Are you in pain? I am, yes. I am. You kind of sound as if you're in pain. I don't mean to be, to be rude, but no, it, uh, yeah, it sounds as if you're a bit distracted pain, from yeah. pain. Yeah, I am. I am in pain. Yeah, I'm, 
I'm in pain for the last week and I just can't seem to get it sorted. Okay. Um, where are you living? Douglas. Okay, so you can you can travel, can't you? Oh, I can. Because I mentioned a few this morning. Forgive me now, I'm just scrambling here. Liam Lynch. Okay. I think he might be Wellington Road, takes medical cards. Um, there was a second one here. Colin Tobin in Grana Braher Dental. Pick up, have you called those? Um, I'd have to go through my list now. Okay. Um, you could always go to CUH Dental, no? I've rang them and there's a waiting list. Oh, for and then God's there's a 40 euro charge, I think she said, for the first consultation, which is better than 120. It's a quarter, yeah, it's a third of the price. Okay. Yeah. Um, try Colin Tobin at Grana Braher Dental. See if that makes a difference. Perfect, I appreciate it. Right, send me on that list if you just WhatsApp the photograph to me. Cheers, thank you. All right, take me. care. Cheers, take Bye. care, Grania. It sounds as if she's in pain as well. Okay, thank you for that. Lines open at 1850 104 106. You can text 086 8104 106. Earlier in the week, uh, we were talking about issues involving pop fraud uh, and then talked of social welfare fraud. And we were talking about pension fraud. I won't say much about that, but there was a woman got a suspended sentence there earlier in the week because she was claiming uh, the old age pension for uh, a parent who was dead a long time. And there is a chap from Cork who's before the courts at the moment for um, uh, claiming uh, pension for his two dead parents for decades. A lot of texts on that. Michael says social welfare fraud has gone out of control in Cork. The guys from Middleton in court yesterday and the guy who stole over a million from Churchfield last week. These are serious issues, says Michael. Another person says I'm amazed at some people and I say some who claim asylum from their own country of birth claiming persecution and they could be killed only to return there for holidays a year later or each year for that matter. Well, you know, I can't really say a whole lot about that because, um, you know, I, I know you're probably referencing um, Hasim and, and his claim and not everybody, not everybody, unfortunately, agrees that it's a, a legitimate claim. I have some emails on that as well, which I'll come back to. I totally agree. If you cannot behave in the country that saves you from terrorism, this is not Nadim. These are the two guys from Nigeria who claimed um, hundreds of thousands uh, illegally in, pub, in a pub scam, a pub scam. If you can't behave in the country that saves you from terrorism uh, and then cause harm to the people that save you, then you have to make sure it sends out a message to others to think that they can't do the same. Send them back. Another one. Those African guys should be deported after jail time. We shouldn't have Africans or Indians in this country. They are not EU citizens. No, they may not be EU citizens, my friend, but they certainly are fellow members of the human race, aren't they? What about the Cork man who committed welfare fraud? Yeah, I've mentioned all of that. Uh, we need tougher laws here in relation to this kind of fraud. We are too small a country to not have tough laws in place governing all areas of visas and asylum seekers, says Shiona. Uh, Neil, our own people are committing crime, but we can't deal with more from other countries coming in here dealing in crime themselves. Anyone that does should have their citizenship re- uh, revoked and deported. Um, and just a tongue-in-cheek one here from Frankie says, we could recover the money from the pup if people would only answer the emails from the Nigerian prince. And then there's lots on spiking and stories like that, which I will come back throughout the course of the morning. But our lines are open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. You can text 0868-104-106. Email neil at uh, redfm.ie. Hey, it's Kira. Tune in to Saturday Breakfast on Red FM from 7am and wake up your weekend with music, chats and all that's happening in Cork. That's Saturday Breakfast on Red FM with me, Kira Revens.
Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now. 1850-104-106. Red FM. You betcha. My friends and I were out in Cubans many years ago. We met a lady who was extremely disorientated in the bathroom. She seemed different to being drunk, I can tell you. She was dressed in her work suit. We presumed she came out after work and Friday drinks, etc. We carried her out of the bathroom. This young guy came up to us and said, she's with me. He got aggressive when we asked her if she knew him. She couldn't answer us, you see. So we took her mobile phone, rang her husband, who came in to collect her with their small child in the back seat. He was very annoyed with her, but we tried to explain it wasn't her fault for the condition she was in. She still comes to our mind years later. What if we hadn't helped her? We were in our 20s at the time. Can't come on air at work. Well, that was a fantastic thing you did. You know, it really was. You could have believed this young guy because she clearly wasn't with him. Now, he could have been maybe, I don't know if he was trying to make out that he was, there were a work group that came from work. But the best place for her was home. And the best thing for her to do was to be brought home. So well done on that, getting her home, taking the mobile phone, ringing her husband. Um, another way here, it might be an idea for nightclubs to increase their door security to stop and search all patrons on entry. There isn't a single good excuse for somebody to be going into a club with a syringe on their person or, for that matter, tablets. I was spiked before, and this comes from a man. Uh, I was out in Middleton and drinking away with my friends, and the last thing I remember is being in the smoking area watching the Liverpool game. Absolutely uh, could not remember anything after that moment. Thank God my friends were care assistants who I worked with who were able to help me. There were girls. There were girls, those that helped me. And I'm six foot one, big lad. I have no recollection of anything apart from being in the smoking area. It wasn't until the next day when I woke up. But apparently my heart was racing and I couldn't stop getting sick. All night, my girlfriend at the time had to keep pushing me over on my side all through the night to get sick. I had no control over anything. I mean, your your head would be racing as to the reasons why somebody would do that to you, you know. You're with a bunch of lads. I mean, was somebody having a laugh? Was somebody thinking, we'll throw a tablet in there and we'll watch a man and see what happens to him? I mean, what's going on that anybody would even find that funny? I'm not suggesting that was what happened. I'm just thinking it could be one of the reasons why it happened. No reason is good enough. So keep those coming. Text 0868104106. A whole fortune of texts then on passports and issues involving issues involving Ryanair, issues involving Alpha Rooms that have gone bust. Uh, and a lot of people yesterday morning, and I see texts again this morning of people who are owed money and are wondering how in the name of God. Some of, some of it is thousands of euro that's owed. How will they get the money back? Alpha Rooms are not an Irish company. And of course, Brexit now has put a line between us and the UK with regards to things you can and can't do. One of the things that people are being told to do if you're owed money by Alpha Rooms is get your hands on a British address and take them to the small claims court using a British address. I think John O'Sullivan wants to pick up on that. John, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? What have you got for me? You're saying that um, you cannot take an English company to court now since Brexit. Am I quoting you correctly? Correct. Uh, I was informed at the end of... November 2020, no longer can you take a UK registered company to small claims in Ireland. And you could before because of some sort of Euro EU jurisdiction, could you? Yes, correct. So that's why Alpha Rooms um, may be able to dodge having to refund Irish customers. Absolutely, yes. But not just Alpha Rooms, anyone, I suppose. Anybody, any, any company. 
any online company, any online booking company. And you were advised this at uh, the courthouse in Washington Street, were you? Yes, I was, maybe six months ago, Neil. I don't want to go into the actual details, but clearly you wanted to instigate proceedings against something. Yes. Yeah, okay. And did you manage to, by any other means? No, I was too late uh, going through the Irish court system. Uh, I wasn't aware of the UK that I could take a UK uh, small claims, which a lot of Irish people did do. Yeah, yeah. Are you in a position to tell me what it was, or is it uh, is it restricted information? Um, was it a retail uh, matter, something you bought, or a service that was provided? Just you don't have to. Alfa Rome's uh, a holiday, Neil. A holiday. Holidays. Yeah. And did you get money through the British system by going to their small claims court? No, no, I didn't pursue it, Neil. I didn't actually get to that stage. Yeah, yeah. So that would mean that people want to be very wary of buying things through search and booking engines, wouldn't it? Wouldn't Absol- it? Absolutely. The, these Alpha Rooms in particular, Neil, are an Irish registered company with an Irish telephone landline number. Um, so I thought are they I was now? safe. Are they now? Yes. Are they? Yes. Irish? Alpha Rooms are part of Truly Travel Ireland's Limited with a registered company uh, in Dublin. And did you, did you lose money to them? A uh, little over €2,000, Neil. And w- when you were engaging with them, what were they, were they promising you a credit note? Were they at one stage promising you a refund? What did they, did, uh, how did they try that. and make it right? Uh, in my case, it would go back to an, an initial deposit in September 19. Yeah. Um, due to the pandemic, obviously, there was no travel. And since then, there's an ongoing issue with emails, phone calls, uh, online chats to Alpha Rooms. Just and eventually, a refund note came that you can claim your refund in cash uh, after a period of twelve months. Okay, and I have Again, that. In fairness, yeah, I have that here in front yeah. of me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But even after the twelve months, when you apply to get your refund and cash, you're not going to get it, Neil. So you have sent to me a refund credit value one thousand eight hundred and fifty-seven euro, um, yeah. and uh, it will remain in place until. Oh, sure, that date's gone. June twenty-one. Well gone. Well gone. Yes. And you could never draw on it, no. No. Absolutely no. That's not worth the paper it's written on. No, it's not. No. And was it a holiday? It was. I think it might have been. Sp- it was a, holiday, a family holiday. Um, it was my first um, holiday for my daughter in particular, who um, would ask me on a daily basis, uh, "Any news from Alpha Rooms?" And her boyfriend owns it there for certain holiday. Oh, for God's sake! Well, there's man. people in far worse positions. Oh, than I know. Listen, understand that. Uh, well, uh, we all know that's the case, but still, yeah. it's exclusive. It's a. It, this isn't exclusive to you. There are many, many other people. I was talking yesterday. Hundreds, are, I believe, hundreds and thousands, and many in Cork as well, mate. And why didn't you? Were you too late to go through the British Small Claims Court? Too late by the time I realised it. Uh, I had tried with the banks to get my money back through cards. Uh, too late. Uh, everything is too late. And now I believe there is no... I, I don't believe there's any hope of getting All right. okay. anybody getting the refund. Okay. Despite, as Jacinta was saying to me, she sent me the email, despite numerous yeah. requests online, emails, Facebook, all yeah. sorts of attempts. Um, Every avenue, yeah, possible. Uh, you just put it down to a bad experience. That's exactly it. Yeah, yeah. It's just cash at the end of the day. What can you do? Yeah, yeah. Will you get? Will you get to the? Will you go on holidays, or will you come up with another plan or anything like that? Uh, 
I'll have to come up with another plan. It's been two years, maybe three years actually, uh, by the time we get uh, our next holiday. But we will, please God. Okay. She's ill and it's far more important to you know that she's looked after. That's, That's right. You know, she told me about that in her email. I, I won't go into the details, but our yeah. thoughts are with her and her recovery, and hopefully it'll be swift and fast, her recovery, you know? And your good self yes. as well. Your good self as well, yeah. John. All right? Thank you, Neil. Thank Look you. after yourself. Thanks for sharing. Not the easiest thing in the world, but to, to share stories when, you know, because people feel, I guess, you, I mean, you'd be angry, you'd be sad, you'd be kind of half embarrassed and mortified, but... You know, you take companies at face value, but that's the online world. Actually, that is the online world. You know, it really and truly is. It's like the Wild West. Um, I got an email in at the start of the week regarding, um, this is, correct me if I'm wrong here now, because I don't engage, is there a place called Facebook Marketplace? Okay, so Facebook now, forgive me again, um, have they got into the game of buying and selling things where people, have, they, have, they provide a platform where people can sell things, am I right? Okay, so, I wouldn't normally write in, uh, but I felt I had to warn others. I'm big into technology and I was dying to buy the new iPhone 13. I had an iPhone 11 and I sold that to pay for the new iPhone 13. Anyway, after I tried to get my hands on one through Apple, Harvey Norman and CompuB, I had absolutely no luck. I decided then to have a look on Facebook Marketplace. And what a mistake that was. Looking back now, I can see it was too good to be true when I found an ad selling a brand new iPhone 13 Pro Max for €1,100, which is €300 below the retail price. The seller gave a backstory to me of how he needed the money to pay for a new engine in his van that he needed work for, uh, he needed for work. But of course, it was all a load of bollocks. I should have noticed that this man had no friends on Facebook or had no picture of himself on his page. So anyway, I met him in person and I paid 1,100 euro of my hard-earned cash. When I got home to open the sealed box and turn on the so-called iPhone 13, I could see that it was clearly a fake iPhone. The setup was in Chinese and there were stickers on the box which normally wouldn't be on the iPhone box. The main screen of the phone was different to normal iPhones and most of the apps didn't fit on the home screen. Anyway, the man blocked me on Facebook and when I tried to ring him, the phone wouldn't ring. He even gave me a fake receipt from CompuB to make it seem legit, but it was all a hoax, including the receipt. I am now out 1,100 euro with no phone and no way of getting my money back. I'm happy for you to read this out, but please don't give out my details. People, beware of Facebook scammers. It's everywhere really, isn't it? It's every single place now. You have to be so aware in the online world. I mean, my head is fried now and I understand why the banks have just stepped up security with pins and second layer and third layer security. I mean, it's so bad, actually. I'm locked out of my bank accounts for weeks and weeks because of it, but hopefully that'll get right at some stage. But to somebody who um, would, I, I mean, what would you do if you met somebody and they presented you with a box, right? A sealed box for an iPhone 13 Pro Max. Um, you're probably kicking yourself now that you didn't open the box there that you didn't take the phone out there, that you didn't try and, you know, 
I guess turn it on I can't guarantee that there was battery power in it but at least study it maybe maybe that wouldn't have made any difference uh, particularly if there was no power in it but you you know you just took the sealed box and went home clearly you've learned from that um, the extra bit of patter about the new engine for the van for work uh, you know it's easy for me to say but you know there's there's always a great story behind a scam isn't there and that's the backstory that you got obviously he's um you know bringing how much would you bring in these fake chinese knockoffs for would would you be getting that would you get one for 50 quid a, an iphone knockoff would you pay 100 euro for it even if you did pay 100 euro and you can catch somebody for 1100 euro it's still money money well spent so I know you feel awful for yourself and and you were caught. You'll learn from it and won't happen again. Uh, but as you said yourself, sometimes when a deal seems too good to be true, it is not probably, but definitely a scam. So I don't know if anybody has other, other stories to share similar to that. Feel free to email Neil at redfm.ie. Earlier this morning... In conversation, I mentioned the Holly Bow because one of the girls that was on was talking about her dad who spent a lot of his life in the army. And I was telling her, make sure that he picks up the Holly Bow because there's a fabulous article in the Holly Bow. I've got loads of different posted notes on different pages of the Holly Bow, so forgive me. One of them is um, um, 100 years ago, next year, of course, um, Victoria Barracks was taken back from the British and became Collins Barracks. And there's a fabulous double page spread then regarding that. And uh, Pat Poland talks about it in the Hollywood. It's just one of loads of great stories in the latest edition of the Hollywood. And on an annual basis, I chat with John Dolan, who's the Hollywood Hollywood editor. Morning, John. Uh, Good morning, Neil. How are you? Yet another year and another year of water (laughs) under the Patrick's Bridge. But lovely to catch up again. How have you been? Ah, very well, Neil. Thanks very well. Yeah, I always delighted when the Holly Bow hits the shelves there. You know, it's it's a big publication. And the big it's, talking it's point yeah. about it every year, straight away, is the front cover. Yeah. And what do we know about Keith Anderson and his fabulous piece of art? Uh, Keith's a great, great bloke. You know, I mean, for the last, you know, several years now, I've, I've, we've had a different artist featured on the, on the cover of the Holly Bow, uh, Neil. And um, this year, I, I looked up Keith Anderson some of his work around social media and he's an exceptional artist and as you can see from the cover it's just a gorgeous it gets you in the mood for Christmas even though the, de- the decorations aren't up just yet mostly uh, it gets you in the mood for Christmas and, and Keith's a remarkable guy uh, he really is he's uh, you know he didn't do art at school he was steered towards science which many people were mm-hmm. um, and, and you know he, he kind of found his muse eventually he worked on building sites um, and, and uh, did his art in his spare time and, and now he's devoted himself to he's an oil he, he does oil paintings um, and does he's got some remarkable work um, of Cork City. Um, so so that's what prompted me, I guess, to say, OK, can, Keith, can you step up to the plate by earlier this year, back in May, I think it was, had a conversation about the cover of the Holly Bow, you know, which is one of those... I amazing. love it. He's got a studio at home in Douglas and he's just knocking yeah. out some fantastic art. It's a gorgeous, it's a gorgeous piece, actually, because it's it's clearly the Southgate Bridge with the Lee flowing beneath it uh, and then of course we have in the background the Gothic Spires of St. Finbar's Cathedral and if you look very carefully crossing <laughs> the bridge and I had to I mean I, I didn't spot him first time around I had to go back and there he is Santa Claus <laughs> It, yeah, where's Wally kind of thing. Yeah, you know, it's funny. My, 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 my six-year-old daughter's off school sick, sick today. She's got a bit of a cold. Um, and so I, I had a colour that you can colour. Children can uh, colour in their own cover of the Hollywood inside in, in, the, in the kids' pages. <laughs> and she came over running to me and said, Daddy, Daddy, I've just seen Santa. So, <laughs> <laughs> that was brilliant. There he is. Sometimes less is more, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, but I, I love, what I love about the scene as well, Neil, is it, that, is, that is the oldest part of Cork City. You know, 
remember that bridge is the oldest bridge in Cork and there were several before it and we obviously know that the Vikings were around there too and and obviously you go all the way back to St. Finbar you know on the site of the current cathedral so that is so rich in history but it's gorgeous gorgeous painting and I just love it it just uh, it gets me in the mood when I look at it now the bridge (laughs) oh my god where do do you begin I mean there's just so much to read I absolutely love the story of John Sullivan and his dad who was from Cork and only fools and horses and the Cork connection and the chandelier scene which was voted the second uh, most popular television scene in comedy ever only second behind uh, Del Boy falling through the the, the, the bar counter but there <laughs> yeah. was of course they, all of these were inspired by Cork weren't they? Yeah, it's, it's extraordinary. And, you know, uh, yeah, that was earlier this year. It was just that this, this guy in the UK had had a book out, a quiz book on only fields and horses because he was 40 years old this year, would you believe? And he just I just saw this story about the fact that his father was from Ireland and I, and I, I had to look, root around and looked into it. And he's from Cork. This is sorry, This is John John Sullivan, uh, who, who famously... John Patrick Sullivan was his dad, yeah. yeah. John Patrick Sullivan was his father and he was from Cork. And not only that, but that chandelier scene was a true story about John Sullivan's <sighs> father who, who moved from Cork to London back in early in the 20th century, like so many did. And, and he was a plumber. And he went to a stately home, and that exactly happened. But it wasn't very funny for John Patrick Sullivan, Neil, at all, yeah. because he actually lost his job. He, got he was fired because of it. I know we should laugh. I know it must have been awful for them. They lost the jobs. Um, but, but obviously, his, he told his son, his son this story, and his son saw the funny side and decided he'd have uh, Del Boy and Rodney uh, having a scene where they were loosening this chandelier was being loosened by Grandad upstairs, and they had the blanket ready to catch it. You know, brace yourself, Rodney, brace yourself. <laughs> in the background you can see you can see this cut glass chandelier it's a fantastic article because the, it's right. a nugget of an article that keeps on giving because apparently you, you're saying in, or you wrote the article you're saying in the article yes, yes. That, that there was no retake of that scene they only got to do that once and if they laughed or anything like that this was <laughs> a six grand chandelier it was a knockoff yeah. I know yeah well, it was a, yeah, absolutely. It was a, it was a fake chandelier, but it cost six grand, and it, it, obviously one take only. And uh, yeah, I mean Nicholas Linder is the guy who plays Rodney. And it was sort of said the producer said he'd be sacked if, if he laughed, if he, because obviously they, they, would, they would have stiffed his call. You know, they would have laughed and the scene would have been lost. Uh, so they had, they had to really concentrate. But yeah, I love that story, and we, we tried to trace. Down I know you did. I know you did because yeah, I had heard Barrick Street, but you don't you don't think so, no. I don't know, Neil, because it's funny. I mean, I looked at the censuses and there's a John Patrick Sullivan way out in, in, in uh, West Cork, um, where actually where I was on holiday, funnily enough, in the summer out there. And that, but when we looked into it, this particular guy, uh, he was said it to me, was he never, he never got as far as Ken Mayer, you know, yeah. he never left his home. So, so then we looked into it, but then somebody said he was from Blackpool. So we looked at now, it, there's a few possibilities in Blackpool anyway. So I'd love a Hollybar reader to maybe come forward and let 45 us know. 45 Commons Road, Blackpool, um, is what yeah. Mark Cronin from the Historical Society thinks, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. Now, it's funny because I, I asked Blackpool Historical Society um, if they, and nobody there was aware of this. So, um, you know, but, but having said that, you know, there's no smoke without fire sometimes. And this fact that he was from Blackpool originally may well be true. But what I'm hoping is that we'll do a follow up next year, uh, Neil, because we have lots of lovely, we, we always get a great reaction to the stories and we always find out lots more it. about things. So I loved hopefully it. We'll, yeah. I loved it. You know, Paul Martin does a double page spread of his, um, you know, his shenanigans as a schoolboy 
Um, you know, going oh, to the model yeah. school and hanging out in the city <laughs> and, you know, getting, he met the world yo-yo champion apparently and everybody took up yeah. yo-yos. He'd spend time down the docks. He was there for JFK's visit. Um, it was fabulous. Go to the, you could get in and around the shunting yards of, 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 of Albert Key railway station and things. It's a fabulous article, isn't it? Oh, he's brilliant. I mean, this is excellent because he's talking about his time at the model school, but he's actually he's actually talking about his time walking to and from the model school when he had his real education. Yeah. Because he, 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 he said that how he, he had a friend, they managed to find a way. At the time, the city morgue was in Anglesey Street, and somehow these schoolboys managed to find a way in, and, you know, we're looking at what was inside the city oh, morgue. I know. So, I know. It's sort of, you know, you think of health and safety now when we wrap our kids in cotton wool. and uh, The places you know, and he could go, people, yeah. These roaming the, the railway lines and visiting visiting oh, pig slaughterhouses in the city. Yeah, was it? yeah, I know he did. They say that as well. He went. They went. They were watching pig slaughter, and you're thinking, oh my gosh, you know, this is such a different time, isn't it now? And uh, but he said, you know, look, that was the way we were brought up. That was the way it was. We were left to our own devices, and uh, and we got up to bits of mischief. And uh, yeah, it's, it's great. I, I love the picture of the Echo Boy with the yo-yo on that <laughs> as well. <isn't> <laughs> Are yo-yos popular you. anymore? Incidentally, I didn't even know there was uh, a yo-yo World Championship competition. <laughs> No, I mean, they, they sort of still come and go and you still see them around, don't you? But I mean, I, I think what happened was back in the mid 20th century, um, factories probably out in, maybe out in the East even found a way to make these really, really lots of them very quickly. Yeah. So they were mass produced and then obviously they became very cheap and, and in places like, you know, in Cork, they would have, uh, yeah, kids would have loved them. And what was the, what was the trick? Walking the dog, was it? Was it the one they used to do with yeah, the Yeah, it's funny because we found at the, at the time, the evening echo as he was at the time, <laughs> used to have a day, you know, a weekly uh, cat cartoon strip showing different tricks you could do with a yo-yo. You'd think that would be a two-week series, but There's no. There's a 1957 Echo Boy playing with the yo-yo his photographs I in the know, paper. but this is the days before gadgets, Neil, you know. This is the days when you have to make your own fun for a minute. I was talking to Joe, the, uh, the hairdresser, this morning. I loved that article regarding uh, the hairdresser in Caesars Hair Salon and Beauty Parlour, Oliver Plunkett Street, who was brought down to Park Nasilla, I think, to do, was it yes. to do uh, Princess Grace and give her a manicure, is it? Yeah, Princess Grace was over. It, this was after she, she, she was an actress, obviously, and, and ex, one of the most glamorous and stylish women of the century. Um, and yeah, and she uh, she married Prince uh, the Prince of, Mon- of Monaco, didn't she? Um, yeah, yeah. And yeah, she was on a tour of Ireland at the time, and she was stayed. She actually stayed in Cork as well. She stayed in in um, famously said in the Imperial Hotel in Cork. But it was while she was staying in Kerry that this particular uh, Cork beautician uh, got the phone call to say, "Would you come and give a manicure to Princess Grace for us, please?" <laughs> So off she went in the car. And yeah, I mean, again, it's, the, 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 what I love about that is that she got, she did the manicure, had a lovely chat, you know, she met the very young prince who's, you know, five or six at the time. Yeah, Prince Albert, who's obviously, yeah, was only a kid at the time and was speaking in fluent French uh, to his mother. And, uh, but what I love about it was that this court woman got, got in touch, by, her mother made her get, get in touch with Princess Grace afterwards to write in a reference so she could get a job somewhere. And so she that was did. Lovely. She got a job in London and also a 10 shilling banknote. Her name was Louise Kinmoth from uh, Richmond Hill, apparently. That's right, yeah. And, and she worked at Elizabeth Arden Beauty Salon in London on the back of that kind of reference. Fantastic. So, yeah. And then she went on to, she, she treated, she had various encounters there in London with, with you know, the likes of Joan Crawford, you know. So it's, it's, it's extraordinary, really, isn't I, it? The, what people's life stories, you I'd know. I'd love to know if anybody remembers Caesars, the salon owner on, um, did I say Oliver Plunkett Street, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, Oliver Plunkett Street. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, I didn't, I wasn't aware of that either from, from my kind of... Uh, 
you know, dealings with, with Cork's recent history. So, yeah, it'd be lovely to know. If Actually, from 1961 to 1957, great photographs. I never knew that Pavarotti was in Cork, but he was part of the Choral Society back then and unknown at that stage, right? Yeah, he was. I mean, I, I love this because I, I actually did a bit of research on it myself and I had kind of heard that Pavarotti had played in City Hall, but it was like one of those urban myths, I thought, you know, <laughs> did he really? And But when we researched it, he did. But what I loved about that, Neil, particularly, that particular, I was rooting through the old Echo and Examiner photographs to try and find Pavarotti and I, and I couldn't I couldn't identify him. And I sent the picture over to the, to the there's a Pavarotti museum in his hometown in Italy. Modena. And uh, all they did was... She wrote a little note on this particular guy amongst his massive dozens of choral singers from Italy, a young man. And all she said was, maestro. <laughs> Meaning, that's Pavarotti, there's your man. I just love that. I said, oh, there you go, you'll do for me. <laughs> that was 57. He came back again in 65. You can see, actually, the different body shape in those, that short period of time, incidentally. <laughs> but uh, yeah. So he was here on a number of occasions and world famous as a consequence to it. And then, you, you, I mean, you know, we talk about climate change and all that kind of thing. The, the white winter of 1947, Seven. Uh, was that a big, big freeze that year? Because the photographs would certainly indicate that it was. It was one of the one of the worst of the century for sure, Neil. I mean, it, and it was a funny one because it didn't really start until January. You know, it, it was a very mild autumn, and the farmers were were happy out. Um, and then suddenly, early in January, it, it came from the continent. It came from Siberia, and it was a complete whiteout uh, and across the whole of the country, uh, including Cork, obviously. And uh, yeah, I mean, and it was literally snow on the ground for two or three months. I think it was Patrick's Day before before the thaw began. And so you could imagine at the time the war war rationing was on already. Um, and it just caused absolute chaos across the whole country. And there's and, great uh, black and whites from the likes of Grand Parade mm-hmm. and the Capital Cinema in the background, and indeed 1947 with the big freeze and people outside the chateau with their shovels and brushes and stuff. I love <laughs> it. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, I mean, I, I love some of the detail of that story. You know, for instance, uh, a load of passengers got on a bus to Dublin in Cork and it took them 28 hours to get to Dublin. You know, <laughs> and they had, to, they, had to, they had to stop off somewhere up, up in the middle of the country and, uh, and all had to go into this shelter oh, and, and just God. kind of make fires and, and stay warm for the night until would, you really would you be bothered would you be bothered any standout moments for you anything because it's, it's all very well for me to be prattling on about it but what have you got to share <laughs> oh gosh I mean there's so many I mean what I love what I try and bring in is obviously lots of variety so you know I love the story about the fact that this this, this couple in, in from Cork they had the 50th wedding anniversary this year and there's a picture of her in a lovely wedding dress which was very short in, in 1971 as was the style um, but I love the fact that since then generations of her family of her children and grandchildren have worn that wedding dress at nativities when they've been angels and playing shepherds and things um, I, I, you know so that's got a lovely kind of Christmas family feel to it I love that story particularly um, but yeah I mean it, there's, there's so many isn't there I mean and some of the photographs as well there's a, there's a, a remarkable colourised picture of a car crash on the city keys back in 1939. Did that, did that um, car get frightened by a horse and cart or something? Yes, it did, it did. And we, we had the family, actually. We, we got the story from the family because there were seven people in the car from the same family and there were three young children and one of them was a twin and it was his son who was who was telling us the whole story of what happened. And yeah, it was. It was a, a horse and cart that kind of took fright and then the car... Smashed through the railings. Yeah, and luckily the railings stopped it. Now, somebody actually said on Facebook, oh, there's a dent still there on those railings. So one day a few weeks ago, I, I went looking for this dent, but I couldn't find it. Oh, my <laughs> God. Just from so just yeah. at Sullivan's Key School, were you there? Yeah. Just at the school. Actually, what was really sad... Yeah. yeah, just what's really sad about that story is he was bringing it to a garage to sell it on the South Mall, wasn't he? 
Yes, he was. He was. He was on the way to sell the car. So God he, he reduced the price of it quite significantly from there. Oh, it's but, fantastic. Yeah. The stories are brilliant. You know what? I, you yeah. know, you just mentioned fashion there. You have a double page spread on the life yeah. and times of Dwyer's and the Sunbeam and how William Billy uh, Dwyer yeah. broke off on his own to get into knitwear and the Sunbeam and how it all started. It's an incredible story. And the photographs and the, the fashion modeling and the styling of the Sunbeam, it can't be underestimated. You know, it's fantastic. It's high quality. It really is. Yeah, this is the lovely Linda Kenny who's been who written some beautiful articles for this year's Hollybound. And and uh, yeah, Linda wrote this article about the history of Sunbeam with, with with some members of the family. And yeah, the, yeah, I mean, the, 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 there's pictures of fashion shoots <laughs> that were to do, that were done. Um, of, yeah, of they the would have the, the Sunbeam time. autumn collection, the Sunbeam spring yeah. collection, summer collection, like like you would today. Yeah, exactly. But there's a, but what I loved about that again, and this, this is something from its time. There's a fashion shoot at Dublin Zoo, and they decided to put three models in this gorgeous, uh, you know, styles of the day in with a rhino, and there's a rhino next to them in the photograph, and you're thinking, oh my god, you know. <laughs> today now that would be a superimposed rhino, but they were really next to the rhino in '71. Yes, they were, they were. I know, and you know, I think we we're, we're so kind of you know the health and safety and everything. Life has changed so much, but this wasn't you know this was like. Like 50 years ago and you know somebody turned up and said let's bring the rhino in okay bring the rhino in you know I always say everyone has a story and, and every family has a story and uh, yeah I love I love telling them in the Hollybow it's, it's great it's great fun, listen yeah. it's another corker well done congratulations for all on board there is a lot of reference of course to the war of independence and indeed what came after it the civil war there's a lovely double page spread then where you literally go into the archives of the examiner and the echo and you just share loads of photographs from way back in the day it's a great way to take a look at the past isn't it well done John on sale now yet another year how many years is that now it's gone on and on isn't it yeah, it's 124. So next year is a big anniversary for the Hollybow Neil. Yeah, we're, we're, we're making a few plans on what we can do for the 125th. But yeah, 1897, it's, it's been an annual tradition in Cork. And well it's, done. it's as popular as ever. Well done. I didn't even mention Cork's Robinson Crusoe. He was an incredible character, wasn't he? <laughs> oh my he was, God. he was, yeah. Left on an island for 250 days with his shipmates, yeah. And the, gosh, the things they did to stay alive, you know, oh eating God. raw birds for a while until they got a fire going. And yeah, I mean, just the, the detail is, is, is incredible of it, yeah. Listen, my man have only scratched the surface but there's a lot of great reading in it and people should get their holly bow today John great to catch up thanks for taking the time thanks Neil thanks always all the best cheers pal take care take care text the Neil Prenderville show now 086-810-4106 Red FM okay just on on the holly bow and it's available you can't miss it with the big red front page on it would you ask John maybe John Dolan would they like to do an article on basketball in Cork over the years great photographs great history there says Jimmy on Cathedral Road well if I know John Dolan, he'd be happy to do that, and they have the archives to back it up as well, so he probably would take that under advisement. You heard the Casey's ad there. There's also a beautiful article in the Hollybow regarding the histories of history of Casey's furniture going way, way back, and the businesses that were in the building before it. Actually, Casey's started uh, at Tony at the building where Tony Fine Clothing is now, and then moved to Oliver Plunkett Street. So that's a beautiful story. But if I could just mention on a personal note that the story of, of the Sunbeam is an incredible one, um, and Billy... Uh, Dwyer, um, he was a junior Dwyer, um, and he back in 1928. And I'm just looking through the Hollywood article. And, uh, says that he uh, saw the potential for uh, hosiery production here in Cork, um, and he ordered in special machines for it. Now he was he was taking a punt on this, and he originally started his Sunbeam knitwear up at the butter, butter market in Shandon, um, in the old butter market, and then subsequently in 1932 
moved to Millfield and we know it as the Sunbeam, fondly as the Sunbeam, for many, many, many years. So that's that's the history of that. But there's part of the article that talks about the fact that he, he really did take a punt and he sold the family home, which was Arbutus Lodge. It's a lot more than a lodge. It's a big, beautiful house. A pal of mine owns it, actually. And uh, I was up there some years ago when he actually bought it for the first time. Um, and we, he was walking me through the house and having done all the renovations to Arbutus. But I couldn't help but notice... The, the, there was a different power supply in there. There was our regular power supply and then there was an independent separate power supply with th- these are most amazing sockets that you wouldn't plug a kettle into now and you wouldn't play a, plug, plug a TV into it. This was a completely different high-powered power source. So I remember asking him, say, what, what, what's with that different power system, particularly in certain areas of the house? He says, well, way back originally, Billy Dwyer would test all of the uh, knitting machines, the hosiery machines and the... And the uh, machines that he ultimately would put into the factory. He would test them in Arbutus and he would time them, um, you know, apparently to work with the timing belts and make sure that they were running. And he would set them up in the house, massive, big production machines. And he'd run them there and he needed extra power, a special power source. And that's why the different power was in Arbutus, Arbutus Lodge, Arbutus House. Oh, it was an amazing story. It was like looking at history and it was literally taking a serious punt on it at the time and, and sold that house and apparently moved to uh, smaller premises with the family by all accounts but of course the rest is history so some lovely articles in the Holly Bow I just passed that story on for, for what it's worth so lines open at one 850 106 text 0868-104-106 it's, this t- it's that time of the year again guys and we're talking about the countdown to Christmas and help that's being given by different organisations groups and people and year in year out we talked to uh, Brian Clark now Brian's the head chef at the Briar on the Douglas Road the Briar Rose we talk year in year out because they do fantastic work and year in year out they literally feed people not just Christmas dinner but also Christmas toys and this year's no exception so happy to say that uh, Chef Brian is back again. Brian good morning Good morning Neil, how are you? First of all um, that, that front of the Briar is an absolute winner, the outside courtyard and the outside dining has, has it proved very successful for you over the last year or so I'd say it has it has, yeah, it has. And we've actually built a new extension to the side of our uh, area with uh, there's loads of umbrellas on the roof and all that. It's, it's opening up this weekend. It's, uh, uh, it's more heated and more sheltered. So uh, it'll still be outdoor, out an outdoor area, but it's a lot more heated and sheltered. It's so, amazing uh, what you can do when you're put to the pin of your collar, isn't it? Oh, that's it. Well, when, since Peter came on board, Liam, Liam, Liam took a step back and yeah. went into semi-retirement and Peter the son took over. He's really pushed it on another level. Yeah, great pal of mine, Liam. I give him my regards. So here we are, another, another year. What's the plan? Because it's kicking off Sunday, isn't it? Kicking off Sunday yeah, with so, regards so, to getting in the toys and things like that. Uh, well, first, firstly, uh, we did thank everybody through social media last year. We had a great turnout. And I'd just like to thank everybody that's uh, listening to your show. You really helped last year. And they mightn't be on our social media platforms. So I'd just like to firstly thank everybody that listens into the shows for coming out and supporting us. Uh, we were overwhelmed with the support of the local people. It's a great cause. Uh, but, Jeff, so this Sunday, um, we start off, we collect all new toys because it's uh, us doing Santi for all the kids this year that will be spending Christmas in sheltered accommodation. Through when you Edel say sheltered accommodation, Edel House brings to mind, of course. Yeah, it's Edel House. And because, like, even with the new extension that they've built, like, we did a big fundraiser for them. We we, we raised over 10,000 for them last year towards the new extension. But, um, passed it yesterday yeah. actually there's still construction going on up there oh they are they've, yeah. they've only half of it done yeah. so they're still building and even with all the new bedrooms that they've put in uh, they still need to outsource uh, to hostels B&Bs 
hotels where they can afford it. But uh, it's it, and through the pandemic, they're even stretched even thinner. So you're uh, telling me uh, that because of increased demand from women and children. They yeah. have to outs- well, outsource sheltered accommodation and hotels. Yeah, and, and, uh, and with COVID and all that, and uh, husbands and wives spending more time with each other, uh, there's more time for conflict and you know and uh, stuff to happen. So uh, they're they're inundated and they need as much help as they can. So we'll this is close our, to your heart. I'm not going to revisit the story, but of yeah, course it is. It is. It this, is. Uh, we're talking the story of your childhood. In fairness, yeah. Yeah, but uh, so my mum passed last year. She was only fifty-seven. So I started it all up to just do something in honour of her. Like, so um, oh, it was very so, successful she last died year. Very young Brian, didn't she? She, really she did. did. She did. Yeah. Um, so it, it just snowballed into something way bigger uh, than I ever thought I, I could help out the refuge as much as I did um, Edel House. And uh, it, they gave me a call there. Would I do the dinners again? Because by me doing the Christmas dinners for them, uh, it gives all them a day off after working hard throughout the whole year, you know. So uh, we know of the toys, but what about the food service? Uh, how's so that going to go for you? Day, yeah, no, Christmas Day, myself, my wife, my daughter, uh, and one or two of the staff members uh, will come in and we'll cook up 300 plus talking ham dinners. And I've got Richie Abbott from the prison... Uh, Court prison, he comes down with the prison van, and uh, a few of the volunteers from Edel House will uh, take it. Well, I'll have a list. So they've got different, they've had a few different houses, Edel House. They're not just in Edel House on Grattan Street. They've got other uh, houses that the source as well, and then the hostels and the B&Bs. So, uh, a few of the volunteers will come down, and I'll have a list that volunteer A needs 25 talking hand dinners, and she's going to. Yeah. Uh, Balancholic. Yeah, military or, fashion. Uh, you know? Yeah, military. Yeah. It's funny, actually, you say, we, I cook, we cook up 300 uh, turkey and ham dinners. It sounds so easy. It's like me plugging in the, it's <laughs> like me turning on the kettle. I mean, 300 turkey and ham dinners, is not easy. It's not easy. Uh, it, it, you know, it's, it, it's easier than, than if, you're, if you're not a chef, uh, you can go, <laughs> oh my God, you know. But it, when, when you have the, and in fairness, I couldn't do this without the Briar Rose, like, you know, and it's the facilities and the resources I have here in the Briar Rose that makes it that bit easier. I am giving up my Christmas morning and my daughter, she's, she's only eight, she's going on nine in December, and my wife, like, we're giving up Christmas morning, but we get a lot from it. Like last year, we were buzzing. Like, I, and, and then the feedback from the girls in Edel House. Yeah. Uh, I also think it's something that your daughter will take with you if to, with, oh, with exactly. her all her life. Because Katrina you know. Toomey started at Cork Penny Dinners by helping her dad, who was in the army, and he would... Um, he would bring food parcels and toys and look after the uh, poor people of Cork on Christmas morning as well, not unlike you. Yeah, but yeah. you know, it's uh, like Edel House, uh, like... You stretch thin, you know, all year round, and this is just like my my suppliers, like CL Meats, there gave me all the meat last year, and Palace Foods then helped me with the other stuff. Like so, I've got you know I, I've got the resources to do it, and you know all it takes is my time, you know, uh, like so it's very easy for me to do with the resources here Good at Briar Road. Good man yourself. Okay, so you'll make sure they get piping hot and lovely tasty Christmas oh, yeah. dinners. And, and then, you- like, we, we have the big wrap then Monday before Christmas of all the ties, and then we label them boy, girl, and age, so then the lads know they're all wrapped. So the girls like, from Edel House come down, 
and they'll see right I've got 150 presents for by age or 100 presents for mm. by age 3 to 6 you know girl age so then they know where, where, where to distribute what them can out go wrong the you're thinking of everything what can go wrong but at this stage it's the uh, it's the generosity of Cork people you're looking for toys it is yeah, yeah. it is yeah toys yeah and uh, we collect selection boxes as well so that they have a little treat as well uh, last year Cupcakes by Kay she's a stand-down and uh, Douglas uh, she did up little desserts individual desserts because of COVID for all the meals as well I think it's brilliant um, I think it's fantastic so yeah it, the community really gets behind me and my friends like I've got a good hardcore of friends and they really get behind me as well we also have a table quiz on every tour the night it's free to play and there's some prizes, but the tours there before Christmas week, the 16th of December, we do a fundraiser. So I, I collect up a few. Uh, uh, well, last year we had about 100 prizes uh, weekends away and then uh, car, uh, car services and everything. Uh, so we do a big table quiz for a fundraiser to help with the extension in the Dell House. That's on the 16th of December. So uh, it's just, you know, it's, it's doing as much as we can. So you if know, people want to help then from Sunday, they can drop off Sunday. new toys. Our, sele- our selection boxes. Our selection boxes, yeah, uh, to the Briaros. Uh, any any day they want to just drop them in and uh, we've got a big storage here. Uh, we store them away and then we have a big wrap the Monday before Christmas and the girls can come down then Tuesday before Christmas and collect them and distribute them. The lot. So Santi finds everybody on Christmas Super. morning. Listen, no matter where they're staying. Stay in touch if you're in need of anything in the coming weeks. Do let me know, will you? And come back to me and let me know how things are going. No problem, Neil. Thanks very much. Cheers, Chef. Take care. Take care. Thank you. Chef Brian Clark from uh, the Briar Rose. If you want to get involved, toys, new toys, or indeed selection boxes from Sunday afternoon onwards at the Briar Rose on the Douglas Road. And good luck to them. Listen, just one fast mention again. If anybody has a warehouse or a lock-up or storage facilities that can look after the Cork shoebox appeal just for a few weeks, because we're going to be talking about... 10,000 shoeboxes full of toys and clothing and toiletries and all sorts of lovely things for people who aren't as well off as us around the world. And you might have a storage facility or lockout bar or warehouse, a couple of thousand square feet. Please get in touch with me and allow them to use it for a few weeks so they can box up all of the stuff and get it ready and then ship it out. And you are only talking about it for two or three weeks. If you can help, please text 0868104106. The Neil Prendival Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 1850-104-106. Don't forget to very shortly a family pass for Alpine Skate Trail down at the Woodlands of Fota. Brand new skating experience. I have a family pass to give away again this morning when you hear the cute to call ice ice baby pick up the phone call at 10 on 1850-104-106 you have take back the spike at UCC tonight which is against drink and needle spiking in Ireland that might answer uh, Richie's text actually with regards to needle spiking because certainly drink spiking and dropping tablets or rufinols into the drink that has been happening and has been happening for decades he says is this injecting problem actually an issue or is it the media stoking up fear yet again it's been all over Cork for the past week yet not a single case has been reported to Cork guards. This is like one of those mass delusional self-fulfilling prophecies where the more we talk about it, the more people will see it everywhere they look and women will eventually be terrified to set foot outside their door. Well, thank you for that, Richie. If nothing else, talking about it will make make people more aware to be safe when they're out and to look out for each other when they're out because I don't know anything about needle spiking in Cork, but certainly drink spiking in Cork has been going on and continues to do so for quite a long time. Lots of other texts and 
emails on different topics of conversation, uh, which I will pick up on in the morning. But if you want to get involved on with regards to our conversations and chats on air, and some of them are quite funny and they're just great. They're just great fun. Uh, Cork's best husband or partner. And also people are talking about their dads. Then you can do so. Um, and if you want to tell a story, you can email neil at redfm.ie. You could also text 0868104106. And I'll come back to those calls again in the morning. I mean, we had been talking about um, the top 10 head records for husbands, the top 10 head, record, head records for wives in relationships. And it just kind of morphed into a bigger picture, particularly with regards to people who are actually quite happy and in love with their partner, which is nice to hear. So with that in mind, we've also got some nice prizes. So anybody that's been on already and chatted already has as good a chance as winning as anybody tomorrow. So we have dinner for two at the Metropole. We have dinner for two at the New Yorker Bar and Restaurant at uh, the Cork International Hotel. We have dinner for two at the Corrigan Park Greyhound Stadium to give away. We have a smart casual outfit from Simply Suits from their new casual range. Thank you to Andrew. And I believe that tomorrow we'll also have some extra prizes uh, to... Um, um, maybe get you interested in uh, sharing your own story. So that's for the morning. So email neil at redfm.ie. There's that and lots more besides, but I'll pick it up in the morning. We'll just come back after the break just to tidy up. But you remember what I just mentioned a couple of seconds ago? This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at neilredfm. 104 to 106 Red FM. Family pass then for Frank Searles and the family up in Grange. Enjoy the skating. Um, a lot of texts coming in this morning on different topics and uh, we'll pick up on, on that and lots more besides in the morning. But speaking of tomorrow morning, tomorrow morning is the Dockers Mass. It's at half past 11 in St. Peter and Paul's Church. Now, Steve the Wazzy Hogan won't be there because sadly he passed away last week and that's very sad and he was front and centre behind the Dockers Mass and it's sad but it's important that it will go ahead nonetheless so if you want to be part of it then you are invited and of course if you're an ex-Docker you'll know all about it uh, half past 11 in the morning at St. Peter and Paul's Church have a good day I'll see you tomorrow thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content